People with home security cameras. What's the creepiest thing you've ever seen happen while you were asleep? We bought a new house about 8 months ago, and installed security cameras recently. I looked over footage to see if it was working properly and didn't want to believe what I found. At around 3am there was a random guy that was briskly walking in and out of my driveway, and kept shifting around. He looked as if he needed to find something. He goes over to one of the bushes on the side, it represents the barrier line, and takes a crap. A freaking crap. I had to replay it a couple times to make sure I was seeing this correctly. Then I thought is that thing still there? Turns out it was still in the shrub. Guess it was his housewarming gift. He was walking up and down your driveway, trying to decide if he should knock on your door and ask to use the bathroom. Finally, the urge got too strong and he said frick it, this thing's coming now. Splat. Indecision strikes again. I saw someone break into my car. Take my sweater out of the front seat. Stood there and smelled it for a solid 5-10 minutes. Then put it back and left. I gave that sweater away that day. <laughs> Fell asleep on the couch that night. Had a bad incident of sleep paralysis. Watched the playback a few hours later of me trying to pull myself out of it. With the night vision being engaged it looks really creepy because eyes glow combined with the slow blinking during the event. It's like watching a zombie version of yourself. I fixed my sleep paralysis by taking deeper and deeper breaths when I'm trying to wake up. Hope that helps you. I wasn't asleep but it was 1am. Both my ring cameras go off. Which, because of how they're angled, means only a full sized adult can be in my yard. I check the notification. Dude starts walking up the sidewalk to my yard. Camera with floodlight kicks on. Dude instantly turns around like he was mistaken and goes onto the neighbor's yard. Neither us nor the neighbor knew him. Shady. Mostly I just get videos of cats visiting though. INB4 your house gets ransacked by midgets. I wake up at 6am and just go through my security camera before heading to work. One day while looking through, I just saw my dog staring directly at my room. Skimmed through the different timelines. He did that for 30 minutes. Not sure why. Probably had to take a pee. A couple who would drive by at random hours of the day for a full week, would walk up to the house and look at my dogs, pit bulls, look into each window in the front and even check the back gate fence. The camera was older and had no notifications so the only way we knew was the moment they decided to open up the door. While I was homesick, and was subsequently rushed by my dogs, I heard the commotion and grabbed the only weapon I had, a bat. To find the front door open and what looked like a murder scene in my living room. Blood, everywhere, all over the floor, the front door, the little entranceway, the window. Turns out I have two very good one the idiots went to the hospital to eventually be caught by police. They were going to take my dogs to be in dog fights, involved in a bunch of other seedy things, drugs, prostitution. Wanted a dog fight, got a dog fight. I got a security camera to keep tabs on my sick cat. The first day I swear every time I connected she turned and stared directly at the camera. There is probably a light that goes on when it turns on. I know some cams have this. Or she can hear the electronics go on. It might be something you can't hear. I installed some security cameras after some altercations with a horrible neighbor. Most I'd see was a squirrel. Maybe a raccoon or two. Saw a fox once. That was cool. One night, I saw a guy walking up and down the street, passing my house over and over again. 
he seemed to limp more and more with each pass, before he collapsed. Later found out that guy was on a massive drug trip, and he died there, on the sidewalk, in front of my house. There was blood on that patch for weeks. When I lived with my dad, he once had this ambitious raccoon that discovered he never locked the doggy door. So the raccoon would come in, eat a bunch of crap, and run away before we'd wake up. So he put an automated doggy door in so it only works if my dog went near it with a collar designed to open it. Wasn't asleep, but when I lived with my ex, we had a few security cameras and they send you alerts when there's motion detected. I was at work and got an alert that there was motion in the living room and I figured it was my ex coming home early, but I checked it anyway. Instead, I saw my dog standing in the middle of the living room staring at the wall. He stood there for a minute and then got on the sofa to sleep. Two things were terrifyingly off about that. One, my dog was a puppy at the time and was crated when home alone. The crate is made of solid wood, metal grates and has thick and heavy eye hook latches. So there's no conceivable way he could have opened the door. 2. He was kept in the office, which is located off the hall and we kept the door separating the living room from the hall closed during the day to keep the room cooler for him. I looked back at the recording because I was very confused and unfortunately, because the hall door was closed I couldn't see how his crate got opened. But the hall door opened on its own and he walked out into the living room about 30 seconds later. The hall door was like a regular bedroom door. It closed with a knob latch and wouldn't have opened even if you pushed on it. There were no sounds aside from the normal house noises. No cars or people had been in view of the outside cameras since we'd left and no other motion detections had went off. Frick that. We caught a neighbor who stole a package off our front porch that UPS had dropped off. It was an expensive car part, IDK what kind. My husband is a car nut. He was very quick to give it back when the police showed up at his door, because my husband wanted his car stuff rather than press charges and have it go to evidence. I used to work for a company in California. Pretty small office just off the side of the road. Lots of gang activity around the area. They've got the ring doorbell camera so they can safely tell if they can open the door at night. One night there's a group of guys hanging around looking at our property. We don't think much of it because they leave in about 10 minutes. Next day a guy shows up and just walks into our fabrication shop in broad daylight looking around. Never has this happened before. Our boss intervenes immediately. Boss, can I help you? Guy. Oh crap oh hey there. Hey are you guys hiring? Boss, number. You have 5 seconds to frick off. Guy leaves in a mad dash. We called the cops and they find him walking down the street 5 minutes later. Turns out the gang was planning on robbing our facility while we were on holiday leave and they'd assigned him to scout out the interior. He was obviously brilliant at reconnaissance. I live in an apartment unit right next door to the office. They installed a new security camera for their door which covers a part of mine as well shortly after I moved in. The office manager knocked on my door a few days after the install and asked me to come look at something. She pulled up footage of the night before that showed a guy pacing in front of my door for 6 hours. He even left for a couple minutes and came back with something he tried to stick in my door frame a few times. I was asleep the whole time and heard nothing. Turned out to be a recent ex of a friend of mine. I'd only met him once. Still have no idea how he knew where I lived unless he followed her to my place once as we lived close by each other. Cops called. Reports filed. They eventually found him. 
He had been on a pretty bad drug bend since their breakup from what I heard and has no recollection of being there. Bim is a hell of a drug. When I was a poor college student my wealthy cousin and his wife went on vacation and offered to let me house sit to give me a break from my three slovenly roommates. They live a few towns over in a very nice house with a huge front lawn and a fancy, tall iron fence and double gates. The fence and gates are about 11 feet high. You have to have a remote to open the gates. That first night I slept so well. I breakfasted like a king and then drove to school. I got back around 5, made a supper fit for a king, and settled down to write an econ paper. My cousin has a warning system for when someone drives turns off the road and comes up to the gate. There's a chiming sound and you can look at screens in a couple of different rooms to see who it is so that you can buzz them in. I was deep into my paper when I heard the chime. I was confused at first and checked my phone before I realized what it was. I looked from the sofa and could see a movement on the security screen. I stood up and got closer and had a clear view of two women getting out of a white car. One tried to squeeze between two bars of the gate. Impossible. And then the other woman tried to boost her over the top of the gate. Hilarious. The top one fell and even from the house I could heard swearing. I was about to press the intercom button and ask WTF was their problem but I was chuckling at their antics and so just watched silently. They peered at the house intently from between the bars like a couple of jail bads for a while. The skinnier one actually stripped down to her bra and panties and tried to squeeze through the bars again. No dice. Butt and boobs were not allowing that to happen. More swearing. Then as the skinny one got dressed again, the bigger one went back to her trunk and got out a freaking tire iron. As soon as she started freaking with the hinges of the gate I was on 911. The cops took too long and the women left. I showed the cops the video but they couldn't get a license plate number. When my cousin and his wife returned the next week I told them what happened and we watched the tape. He said that he had no idea who the women were but his wife looked pee. I packed up. Thanked them for my vacation and left. She divorced him that summer. I put up a camera in my room to record myself when that was a whole fad. I saw myself kicking and crying in my sleep. Legitimate tears and also muttering something. I saw myself reach and grab my hair when I curled into a ball. I don't even remember having a nightmare or anything that night. Definitely a reason to be afraid of myself. That's actually kinda terrifying. I saw this one video of some guy in California that went to this house and spent 2 hours licking their security camera doorbell, disappeared for a bit and then came back to resume the licking of the camera for another hour or so. I woke up one morning and my front door was wide open. Scared the crap out of me but couldn't figure it out as nothing was missing. Went back and looked at my camera and it turns out at around 4am the door just swings open for no reason. Never figured out why. Ghost wanted out. So I'm sitting in my living room at night. Just recently moved into my new flat. I'm in a basement flat. Own entrance. In a little townhouse on the edge of town. Quiet area. Lots of trees. Cheap rent and like no public transport or cell reception. I'm living alone for the first time. I just set up the security cameras and hooked them up to a new monitor. The old one was ancient and gigantic. Hadn't figured out where to put the monitor. I'd never had a security system before. It was, at the time, on my work desk, which was at the living room window. I noticed this slight yellow glow out the window out the corner of my eyes, slowly getting brighter. 
As it does, I notice on the camera that there's a huge bus shadow cast across my door, visible from camera, to the left of the window, that looks kinda animal but weird proportions. I quietly crap myself. It sits there for a while, like a good 10 minutes, moving just enough to make me wonder if I'm imagining it moving. There's a kind of whining buzzing noise, but it's faint and I might be imagining it. I suddenly find religion. Then all of a sudden there's a loud pop from inside my building. The glow goes instantly away. There's a sound like a really pee cat and then really rapid footsteps. I'm in like full cardiac arrest at this point. Bathing in my own urine. Crying for my mum. Flash forward a week or so. I haven't been eaten by a cat shadow monster. Though I do have a sudden new interest in exorcisms. I meet the upstairs neighbors. Older couple. When they're having trouble getting a large package up the stairs. They offer me tears thanks. I notice their cat sitting in the window. Its movement reminds me of something. And after a while I realize it's the shadow monster. I ask a few questions to round out the details. Turns out the neighbors had one of those lights on a sensor which turn on when they detect movement. A cat jumps up to ledge. Light turns on. But it was an eco light. So warmed up slow. It then went out. Loudly. I'm too embarrassed relieved to recant the story. So I make my excuses. Leaving the nice couple upstairs with the impression that their new downstairs neighbor is a weirdo who stares at cats. Has a really keen interest in light bulbs. And a predilection for no predilection for no they don't invite me up for tea anymore. But they do ask if I'm okay every time they see me. Comma I quietly crap myself. As a gentleman woman would. My friend showed me footage that her home security camera got of a coked out neighbor running into her door and shattering the glass with his head. The weird part was that he didn't get hurt. Smashed the glass but came out without any damages to the head. When he approached her door he stopped for a moment and then charged like a bull. CS a hell of a drug. My neighbor told me years ago that when she checked the footage from her security cams outside her front house she found a guy coming into in her yard picking her flowers and sticking them down the front of his underwear. He was never seen again. Just once. Smelled kerosene in my chicken house. Not for first time. One morning. Reviewed cam footage. Good video of neighbor entering with kerosene can and pouring it on my birds. She hates me and my birds. Maybe just me. Comma kerosene can and pouring it on my birds. Should have called the police. No one takes kindly to miniature dinosaurs being abused. I have an Amazon ring and on Halloween night a black cat lay down on my walkway. The shadow made it look like a huge cat like a panther or something. Freaked me out until I zoomed in to see it was just a little black kitty. It showed its true form. Obligatory not my story. Sorry. My brother got a new security camera and he was having trouble sleeping. He lives in an apartment building with a couple other people in the hallway. He kept waking up to a person trying to open his door in the middle of the night. He eventually found out it was a neighbor who got drunk a lot and was trying to get into the wrong apartment. The neighbor eventually went away. A couple weeks later he came home and there were a bunch of cops outside of his apartment. It turns out that his other neighbor, who had also gotten harassed by this guy in the middle of the night, had murdered the guy who kept knocking on my brother's door. My brother caught it all on his security camera. He turned it over to the police, and the neighbor got arrested and went to jail. That escalated quickly oh oh. Saw a woman talking to herself stealing my trash. 
I was so confused the week I moved in because every day I threw trash away my can was empty and I kept convincing myself I was just losing it. Finally got my cameras up and realized what was happening. Turns out the lady went to every can up and down multiple streets every night taking and throwing away trash. Found out she had some mental health issues and lived around the corner. Moved the cans to the backyard instead of the side of the house after all that. That's how identity theft happens. Check your credit reports. Not asleep but we were eating breakfast. There is a school down the street from our house. It's literally two houses down. Anyways in the mornings there's lots of traffic and children with their parents to school. They walk past our house nearly every day and we never thought anything of it. Anyways, one day there was a kid who we caught on the security camera running and there was some guy chasing after him. Turns out he was trying to kidnap the kid and we had it on tape. The kid got to the school and told his teacher and police came and asked to see what we recorded via camera. Crap's crazy. Watch your kids. I came home from work one day and could see prints in the snow going up our driveway, then veering left into a field by our house and eventually leading to the main road. We were the only house on a long street. I could tell the prints weren't too recent, as some fresh snow had settled into them. I checked the security cameras, starting at midnight and fast forwarding through the early morning hours, convinced I would catch on camera, the weirdo wandering our property and trying to break in and murder us. After a half an hour of staring at the screen, the perpetrator finally came into view a horse from the field across the street had broken out and meandered through our yard and field by our house at around 5am. The build up was terrifying. The result of the prince was adorable and hilarious. Doorbell cam went off at 3am. Flipped to the live view and there was a deer standing in my yard staring directly at the camera. Close enough that the camera thought it was a person at the door. Deer stood there for a solid minute just not moving. The eyes had that creepy night vision look so it was extra weird. And then the deer took a huge crap while maintaining eye contact with the camera and that kinda ruined the mood. A doe. A deer. A pooping deer. A random guy helped himself to my backyard. Thinking he was a thief I was already picking my phone to call the non-emergency police line only to look back at my tablet and see him moving my pot plants. Only my pot plants. Some of which are very heavy. He even stepped back a couple of times as if to survey his handiwork. Once he was seemingly happy with their new arrangement he then left the same way he came. I have never seen this man before in my life. WTF. Neighbors have security cameras that caught two people outfitted to look like Jehovah's Witness reps that were actually armed thieves. The pair did several burglaries in the area before reports to the police from neighbors caught them in the act. P.S. Enjoy your cake day, OP. One night a bunch of cars in our neighbor were broken into, including my son's. We checked our security cameras and saw the guy doing going through my son's car and then he walked over to my neighbor's house and up onto their back deck and stared through their French doors for about 15 minutes before leaving. My parents live on an L-shaped large piece of property with a dirt road that runs along the inside corner of the L. My dad walked out of the house very early one morning on his way to work and sees someone pull off the dirt road onto the opposite end of their property. Before he can get in his truck to investigate, the trespassers peel out and take off the opposite direction and he can't catch them. He goes to work suspecting poachers and gets a trail camera to attach to a tall tower he built as a lookout point deer stand. He goes out once a week to swap SD cards and batteries, 
never sees much more than animals and the occasional car on the dirt road. This goes on for months and everyone kinda forgets about it. My grandfather goes in the hospital for heart surgery, but never leaves the hospital, dying after not recovering from a coma after surgery. Things start to settle down after my grandfather's death and I'm over to work on a computer for my mom. Dad goes and trades cards and batteries and brings the full one back. Part of the issues they had was reading SD cards. So I load the card and flip through the several hundred pictures. I get bored and leave my mom to it. She's visibly upset and looks at my dad and says do you know who that is he looks, says it looks like your dad I look, and it does definitely look like him. Very distinctive clothing and hat, but missing his dog and gun that never left his side when in the woods. He'd been dead for over a month at the time and the cards had been changed several times since. There was only a single picture, and there would have been no way to get to where this person was without having triggered the camera several times along the way. He had not been out to their property in a few years, let alone to that part of their property. I still have no explanation for it. One last goodbye from old grandpa. There has been a string of car break-ins in our neighborhood lately. We have had cameras up for a couple of years now, so we checked the footage. Unfortunately, while we have the wannabe thieves on camera, there was nothing worth stealing in either mine or my husband's car. We have no idea who they are. The cops can't do much without an id. One of them is wearing very distinctive shoes, though. So we have been on the lookout for an unusual pair of Nikes and who might be wearing them. Sucks when you can only watch someone break into your car. I know it's a little off topic, but we did also have a funny one we caught on camera. Our neighbor is a huge douche who can't handle his drink. He likes to listen to crappy mariachi music all night and into the early morning, which wouldn't be such a problem on the weekend. But he likes to do it on a Wednesday night. It really is a pain in the butt when you have to go to work in the morning. Our neighbor called the cops on him and we got to watch him get pepper sprayed in the face on camera. It was hilarious. Wasn't exactly while I was asleep since my dad woke me up. But I live on a cul-de-sac and my dad told me to grab a weapon and come watch the cameras. The cul-de-sac was full of at least 8 police cars with the lights on and more were parking up the street and running into the neighborhood. We didn't know WTF was going on but if a fleeing criminal tried to break into our house to hide we wanted to be ready. Turns out some homeless dude lived in the woods behind my house and stole some jewelry from a Walmart about 15 minutes from my place. Dude I live in a cul-de-sac 2 police have come 3 times. Once for a drug bust, once cause a murderer climbed over my neighbor's gate into their backyard, and another for I think a guy who was a thief I don't remember the last one too well. One night the camera on the front, facing to the road, captured a white car that pulled up near the gate, backed onto the road, drove a few steps ahead, then backwards, then forwards, switched lights off, then on, then fog lights on, special lights in Europe. Don't know if they are around the world. Fog light off. Forward. Backward. Lights off. Lights on and drove off. Never saw that car again. The id was not even from the country I am living in. Sounds like someone trying to replicate an intermittent electrical issue with their car. Source. Have done dumb crap like this to try and figure out intermittent electrical issues with my car. Near midnight my car alarm was triggered for weeks never could find who did it. So I put up a cameras up to see what happened 3 nights of not getting anything IP myself when I found a raccoon vs squirrel wrestling match at my front door. I saw an animal near my house, 
It turned around and saw something outside of the camera's view and looked scared or something and when it reached the edge of the screen and looked like something grabbed it, never came back. Could you see a hand or was it too far out of shot? Woke up one day to a very weird feeling. I decided to check the cameras. This was around a month ago BTW. Ended up seeing three dudes in black who were roaming around my house at around 2am. Then they just left. I was very nervous for a couple of days after and still am a little bit. I have no idea what they were doing. Not me but my dad looked through his camera once and saw a stuffed animal placed right in front of the camera. We found out it was my mom playing a joke on him. Oh I'm definitely doing this to my mom that's hilarious. The guy wearing dark clothes with a hood over his face who walked up to our fence at 3am. Saw the beware of dog sign and the fake security cameras we have out to hide the ones we really have. Who then proceeded to get down and half crouch. Crawl through our gate and into our yard in an attempt to not be seen by the fake cameras and got halfway to our door before my sweet good boy went total hellhound and raced to the front door from our bedroom to inform us someone was out there. As soon as the guy heard the dog and saw the lights in our place come on he just got up and straight ran through the gate and down the street. We filed a complaint with the cops. Nothing ever came of it. He definitely was testing if we really had a dog or a security system in place and that just freaked the heck out of me. We went and got motion activated lights after that as an added deterrent. Good boy got a steak dinner the next night. He's damned lucky I didn't open the door or he'd have gotten mauled and or worse. Divers and people who spend a lot of time underwater. What's the creepiest most unexplainable thing you've seen while in the depths? Not me but my grandfather recently told me about a story of when him and his friend went diving. Him and his friend were interested in making stuff and one day they made this makeshift scuba gear and wanted to test it out. So they drove down to where they wanted to go diving and tried them out. The scuba gear ended up working. However while one of them was down there they found a dead body. He went to the surface and told the other who went to check it out for himself. They ended up calling the police and finding out they had been searching for the body. This was in Australia BTW. Finishing a night dive and stopped with my buddies 15 feet directly under the dive boat. Everyone turned their torches off and was able to see the silhouettes of 30 sharks circling the boat. I was an instructor on Roten, Honduras and took one diver on a recreational dive on the beautiful reef there. It involved a couple of swim throughs coral tunnels with sandy bottoms on the second one about 50 feet long and 5 feet wide i didn't bother turning my flashlight on as i saw my client who i knew was behind me although i couldn't turn around and look must have turned theirs on when i saw the beam of light passing by me and illuminating things on the wall here and there when i got out of the tunnel however there hovering nearby was my solo client waiting for me to exit they had never even entered the swim through Confirmed on the boat after the dive. That creeped me out royally. Also, not far from this dive site at about 155 feet, is a cross put on the reef wall for a troubled guy who years before just kept going into the deep and never returned. A local submarine scientist once saw his gear snagged on the reef wall at about 400 feet deep. Not that creepy, but during night dives I saw three different octopi. The adult one moved along the coral and changed colors to camouflage, and the baby ones were bright neon colors. They have the best camouflage out of any animal. Truly a majestic beast. An unending void. That's when I quit and was like, 
You know I spend 5 years getting certificates but apparently being afraid of heights also works underwater. You are not scared of heights you are scared of the floor being far away. It was last year. I and my friend were testing our scuba gear before going on a vacation in one of the lakes near our city. The depth was around 15-20 featuring when we saw a Soviet style army metal bed simply standing on the bottom of the lake. Sleeping with the fishes. This isn't my story but I though it was creepy when I heard it. My great grandfather and great great grandfather ran a diving business together in a small town. This happened a long time ago, probably mid 60s. My grandma and her friends, one of which was her boyfriend, decided to go down to the beach and all the boys decided to go into the water and swam near the well-known spot where the current of the water is so strong can drag a boat underwater. The boys went near it and were dragged underwater and killed immediately. They were 14, 15 and 16 might I add. The coast guard were notified and my grandma's dad and his dad were called out to retrieve the bodies. Once the current had relocated them to a safer diving spot, the divers went underwater and found the three bodies and the description still sits with me even four years later I was told. One boy, the youngest, had his arm torn in such a way by the current that it looked like it had simply been snapped off. The 15 year old boy was bobbing around with his eyes wide open and chest bloated. But the 16 year old boy had his skull caved in, where he was obviously smashed against something hard when he was flung by the currents of the water. I did a night dive in Hawaii called the Pelagic Magic Dive. They take you out into the open ocean around 8 or 9 pm, attach you to a cord that is tethered to the boat and let you get in. All you have is a flashlight in this pitch black water. I decided I would turn off my flashlight to just see what it was like and it was absolutely terrifying. I've been around sharks many a time and this is the first time I was genuinely scared. Switching off your light on a night dive is the most intense sensory deprivation ever. Especially in the open ocean. There's any number of things you could be totally unaware of. Probably half a shark. Still swimming around but his entire left side was just gone. Organs hanging out of him and everything. Like a living resident evil zombie shark. He must have been very recently attacked because I doubt you can live very long with your entire insides poking out. Not me but my godfather. He was crayfish diving in the Northern Territory, top of Australia. Now you have to be really focused when looking for crayfish you wanna see their little antenna sticking up so he wasn't looking around just in his zone. He gets smashed in his leg and pushed forwards in the water and let go. He says he turned around and through the bubbles a massive saltwater crocodile was looking at him. So he used his spear gun to prod it away not wanting to shoot it and lose his only real weapon. The croc left him alone and he hightailed it out. Now normally when a croc bites down it doesn't let go and it'll just death roll you to oblivion. But he had his diving knife strapped to his ankle. Reckons it's his lucky knife as it saved his life. I did some search and rescue diving after the tsunami in Thailand. It was not creepy per se but you would find thing that would break your half. Engagement ring. Gift for Christmas still wrapped. Full wallet with bunch of kids. The most insane amount of CDs and DVD I have ever seen. One creepier thing was that the smell of death was present for the first few days and you knows would get used to it. Most of the divers that was out there developed some sorts of skin infection. We used to shower and pull after a dive. Our knees would be a mess from kneeling in the sand and pulling stuff out of the water. Fun times. 
I know I'm awfully late to the party but I'll comment anyways. This story happened to my mom since she used to dive a lot before I was born. She was diving in the coast of Mexico. It was nighttime since the animal they wanted to see only came out at night. This meant they couldn't see two feet in front of them. The only visible part was a beam of light coming from her torch and her diving partner's torch. So anyways after diving for a bit she turns 90 degrees to try and locate her partner but as she does this she points the flashlight at a great white shark which was swimming directly to her. The thing was only like 6 feet away from her so my mom couldn't react. But her diving partner pointed the light at the shark and made a spiral shape and pointed the light away from them. The shark followed the beam of light and swam away from them. My mom used to tell me that story all the time and how scared there was. At Sand Hollow Reservoir in Washington County, Utah there's an old school bus and retired flight school airplane at the bottom for divers to explore. There's a geocache in the bus so my brother, retired army ranger, and myself, civilian mechanic with no diving experience besides trying to beat my son in a breath holding contest in the pool out back, set out to find it on a sunny summer day. After about 15 minutes we found the bus, rusted, rotting and covered in algae. We entered from the back and began searching for the geocache. We found it, signed it and swapped the item out. What we took out was a piece of paper wrapped in multiple ziplock bags and the zipper cut off and torched to seal it indefinitely. On the paper was a single instruction. Item too large to put in container. Check driver seat. Intrigued we made our way to the front. Now, I wish I was making this up. I was the first to reach the driver's seat. I got to the front and what do I find? A body, wrapped in trash bags and taped with a 45 pound chain around the ankles. I let out a blood curdling scream like a 5 year old was just told he couldn't have a cookie right before bed. My brother without reacting grabbed the body, pointed to the weight and we made our way toward the surface. Once we got to the surface we put our flag up and got on our boat once it arrived. We called the rangers over the radio and met them at the docks where we met a fleet of park rangers and county officers. They cut the bags while they were taking our statements to find that someone had left 130 or so pounds of sugar in gallon ziplock bags in the shape of a body. I was snorkeling off the coast of Maui when I felt a stinging pain in my left big toe. I spun around and was eyeball to eyeball with four angry fish looking for a free food handout. I've grown up in Hawaii and in the ocean and this was the first time I was the prey. I chase them off and beg visitors to Hawaii. Please don't feed the wildlife as one day you may be the food. I usually do shallow water spear fishing here in Kauai, Hawaii. I haven't had yet to find anything supernaturally creepy, but probably something just as impressive. If you're diving in a coral reef there's a chance you'll see a channel. Basically, it's a trench that cuts right through the reef. The ones I deal with are a few meters wide, but they go down for around 20-50 meters. In some areas, you could swim in 2 feet deep water only to encounter a straight drop down into the depths of a channel. These kinds of places are really good fishing spots, but you'd have to have big balls to not be intimidated by these things. Even on days when the water is clear you won't be able to see the bottom. Channels are also a hot spot for sharks and other predators because they connect the open ocean to the inner reef. Channels are still beautiful. Eerie, yes, but beautiful. My dad used to work as a diver and he told me the reason he gave up diving. Basically a small boat sank about an hour from our hometown and he was sent down to the wreck to find the bodies if there were any. 
He quickly located the wreck and opened up the door and a corpse littered with tiny prawns came rushing towards him and essentially hugged him. That was the day my dad decided to quit diving. He told me so many creepy stories that I could write more here. I did a night dive in Borneo once near a sea gypsy, Bajor, village, so we surrounded by a lot of trash, including hundreds of plastic bags floating in the water. You can barely see anything outside the light of your torch, so every so often, without seeing it one of those bags would brush past you and you'd discover it was actually a big butt jellyfish. One of the most uncomfortable dives I've ever been on. Obligatory not a diver, but my friend was from a military diving unit. Waters around my country are murky as heck. You can't see crap. So once two of them were underwater doing a familiarization dive at night. You can imagine how dark it was. Anyways, their task was simple. Just follow a guiding rope between two boats. Easy. Guy in front. My friend. Has his hands on the rope. Guy at the back holds onto the guy in front. Suddenly, the current went batshit insane and my friend lost the rope. Getting smashed underwater and hopelessly disorientated, another hand grabbed his hand and put it back on the rope. Upon surfacing, my friend thanked the guy at the back for finding the rope. But the guy just said he also lost the rope and was clinging on to my friend. They recounted the story to their sergeant major who brushed it off. Once I dow into an underwater cave in Sweden, and I have done it both with and without diving equipment many times, and this time I didn't have diving equipment, when I wanted to get out again I could not find the exit, and had to squeeze through a tiny gap in the cave where I almost got stuck. Not creepy or anything, but I used it to be a commercial tuna fisherman in Mexico, method purse seining. I will never forget the massive hammerhead I swam next to. We had to go in the water to take the porpoise out of the net. Yes I know, it was freaking cruel and as I was swimming, I initially saw the head and thought, holy crap, it's a hammerhead shark until it swam sideways. If I had to put a number on it, at least 18 feet, it was a freaking unit. I was scared because I have never been in the water with a shark of that size and from what I knew, hammerhead sharks are known to be territorial when hunting and when I was warning the other guys. The bastard disappeared. Not only is this big butt dinosaur swimming underneath me, I have to be careful of the hundreds of porpoise and the school of fish. So as the tuna start rising to the surface, the hammerhead also starts to surface. That dinosaur slowly rising up. As soon as it is 20 feet away from me, I jump out of the net, into the middle of the ocean. Ironically, the middle of the ocean is safer than being in the net. Something I never got my head around. So without checking where the dinosaur is at, I jump back into the net and it is right underneath me, less than 5 feet, biting the stomach of a tuna. At that moment, I just wanted that shark out of the freaking net. 3 tunas later, the majestic beast left the net and forever made it clear I did not want to see big dinosaurs in the water again. Be freaking terrified if you see a lone hammerhead. They hunt alone. If they are alone, they are hungry. I would rather see a group of 5 hammerheads than one by itself. Leading a dive in Singapore Harbour during training. Back then due to the pollution it necessitated both compass work, being buddy lined and pulling a marker boy. This was less than 3 foot and one of my buddies said all he could see of me was my fin tips. So swimming a foot off the bottom with full concentration on the compass and marking yardage when my face mask went straight into what looked like a person's head. I can still see it vividly. All the hair moved into an even parting from my motion. 
and I was looking at their scalp inches away. I will admit to squealing like a girl into the ridge and trying to backtrack frantically. However the diver behind me ran into me pushing me forward. More horror. However it turned out to be a dead dog, which shouldn't have been unexpected on the bottom of that crappy bit of water but sure as heck got the pulse racing. If I had my wits about me it would have been a lot of fun swimming the other two over it but I hadn't had enough. Proud of myself for getting us to our target after that given the detour. When I was young I used to swim at a well known river. We did bombs and dived as well as swimming about but at this spot the water was dark but no one really cared. I finally got goggles one day and I dived down and realized there were fish but also massive eels at the bottom just swimming around us. Here eels can bit if they want. It creeped me out ever since then. Not exactly what you're asking, but I remember one of my dad's old laborers told me when I was a kid that he used to go diving for old glass bottles at the bottom of the Sydney Harbour. Apparently people would throw them over the edge of the boat at boat parties in the olden days. They were often imperfectly shaped and worth a lot of money. He said it was quite dark at the bottom of the harbour and he often relied on feeling the bottles to get a sense of their shape. If they felt anything different from a modern beer bottle he'd put it in his bag. One day he said he felt something nudge his side while he was picking up bottles. But the water was too dark and murky so he couldn't make out what it was. A second later his torso was bitten into and most likely in the mouth of a shark. He pulled a small knife out that he had strapped to his leg and used it to stab the shark on the nose. He swam straight back up, rushing with adrenaline, but didn't decompress on his way up and passed out soon after he got back to the surface. Lucky someone saw him floating and he was taken to hospital. Apparently the bite wasn't too serious but he did have to spend two weeks in a decompression chamber. TLDR. Diver gets bitten by a shark while diving for vintage glass bottles. Spend two weeks in decompression chamber. Doing a wreck dive with my ex-wife off Kazumal. She swam through a passageway and a giant green moray eel popped out in front of her. She swam sideways and caught the edge of the doorway with her ankle. Causing a deep cut and clouds of black looking blood began pouring out of her. I grabbed her ankle and tried to apply a compress as we did an emergency ascent. There had been a shark attack recently. So I held her ankle and kept my head on a swivel. It wasn't the sharks that were a problem. We were surrounded by large grouper who all kept trying to bite at her ankle. She insisted on a safety stop, and I hung below her for 10 minutes trying to compress the cut while fighting off really aggressive large fish. It wasn't really unexplainable, but pretty creepy trying to keep my wife from bleeding out while being attacked by scores of fish. Long time diver. I was also search and rescue. The worst was recovering bodies from a car that went off a bridge into a river. It was winter so cold water dive. It was at night, which is no big deal since the river is pitch black in daytime. We marked where the car was, dropped our guide rope upstream and then just let the current take us to the car. Your light illuminates maybe 18 inches in front so you can't see crap. You trust your drop and compass. Current was strong so hard to control speed. Within seconds I came face to face with one of the victims. Eyes open. Mouth open. I about swallowed my regulator and had to do a nuclear level butthole clinch to avoid crapping myself. That was the creepiest, the sad, most emotional was getting into the car to remove the baby from the back car seat. I had to stop a few times because I couldn't see through my tears. Adults I can handle. Kids and animals no. I was done with search and rescue after that. Now I prefer recreational diving. My time to shine. 
I was an instructor tech XR mixed gas overhead the whole shebang when I was a young idiot that was pretty much trying to die. I can remember diving in a spring system in Florida with manatees and bumping into something on the bottom. Manatees just normally chill at the top and are literally like big floating sausages. So I looked down and saw massive gator tail swish off into the less than clear water. I've done shark dives in the Bahamas, run into bulls, tigers, the whole gambit. But that right there terrified me. Another fun one was I was leading a group off of PCBC on the twin tugs and had a bull shark follow the entire time and no one else even saw it until we came up. That was hilarious to see their reactions. This is probably a pretty lame story compared to the others here but I was diving without gear in Greece and I was at a beach around at the part where the sandy ocean floor stops and the vegetation starts. I was looking at all the different kinds of fish around there. My dad was swimming with me and I saw a large shadow next to me in the bottom. What I thought was my dad was actually an over 2 featuring fish which was right next to me. I slowly turned and saw one of its inch wide eyes staring right at me. I started yelling and tried to slap it but it got away. I was doing a night dive in Kohtau. Just a recreational dive. Dive buddy was a total stranger. We were swimming around trying to find a sandy spot to disturb and see the bioluminescent dinoflagellates. We find a nice spot under a ledge but there is a big green turtle resting there so we continue on our merry way. Didn't find a better spot. Turn around. And the turtle's gone. Naturally. We kneel down in that spot and continue by turning our lights off and waving our hands through the water. At this point my eyes have adjusted to the darkness. I look over at my dive buddy and her eyes are incredibly wide. I motion as if to ask her what, and she points over my shoulder, just in time for me to see a football sized turtle head inches from my face. Really cool experience but scared the crap out of me, as much as I know they're harmless, it's easy to forget that when they're that close. Another time was when I was on a research dive off of Conch Reef in the FL Keys. I was working on nutrient dynamics of boring sponges, named because they bore themselves into rocks which consisted of collecting water samples outside of this sponge and from the excurrent water that the sponge filters through its body. In order for me to collect the samples my face had to be roughly 6 in from the substrate. This was also a night dive while there was a really beautiful thunderstorm happening and my light needed to be off so as not to trick my sponge into thinking it's daylight. So every few minutes I would see a bright flash of light. Side note, was really cool to see other bioluminescent organisms flash back in response to the lightning but that's besides the point. Eventually I happen to be looking up to see where the other divers are and there's a flash of light. I see there's a giant probably 5 feet grouper right next to me checking me out. That fricked me up. Had a hard time collecting samples after that lol. Explainable but creepy. My girl and I did a live aboard for a weekend to dive the flower gardens. 110 miles out in the middle of the Gulf of Mexico. Most other divers were diving nitrix and had dive computers except us, which meant our dive times were shorter. Our bottom time was limited by inefficient paper dive tables. When it came time to do a night dive, she was scared to go, and the others said they'd keep an eye on me so I went. Depth was about 90 feet. We followed the mooring line down to the bottom. They attached a glow stick to the bottom of the line. We then trekked about 50 yards into the darkness to the spot. The dive was spectacular. Big black jack crevalli would hang out behind you and bump you to attack for you shined your flashlight on. Dong move on their part, but nonetheless amazing. 
so it comes time for me to ascend, only no one else's time was up. That's when it dawned on me what I had to do. I gathered up my balls and my crappy little flashlight and headed out into the dark ocean alone. In the general direction of the glow stick I knew was around 50 yards away. After a few minutes I realized that I could no longer see my group's flashlights, and I still couldn't see the glow stick. Pitch black. My blood just ran cold. I was absolutely terrified. When I finally saw a glow in the distance I thanked god. But then I looked up and saw the inky soup I had to ascend through and wondered what grumpkins and snarks were waiting for me at my safety stop. 3 minutes at 15 feet and 90 feet of pitch black ocean. Alone 110 miles out in the gulf. Bait. I turned off my flashlight partly in fear of what I might attract. And partly in fear that I might actually see something. I can still say it is still the most humbling moment of my life. Anybody who is interested in diving have a search for a film documentary called Last Breath. It came out recently about a freak accident during a saturation dive in the North Sea. I'd taken up the offer of a spare place on a trip to a 50 meter, 165 feet, wreck on the south coast of England. I didn't know anyone else on the boat, so I just got buddied up with another rebreather diver. Talking before the dive my buddy mentioned that if I lose him then we'd just finish the dive on our own. This should have been a red flag, as in 10 years of diving I've lost my buddy less than a handful of times, but it must have happened often enough for this guy that he thought to mention it. Anyway, we descend down onto the wreck and with it being England the underwater visibility was only 3 meters, 10 feet, and therefore no natural light reached the bottom. So we need to use our torches to see. We go about the dive and I'm being cautious to keep the guy in my sights. We have a brilliant 40 minutes on the bottom. Then we decide it's time to head to the surface. Given it was quite cold and we had quite a lot of decompression to complete before we can exit the water. When it's time to surface divers set off a marker boy from the seabed called a DSMB. Which is essentially an inflated bag attached to a spool of string. It alerts the boat where the divers are in the water so they can track the divers while they drift during decompression. When setting off a DSMB you have to clear yourself of all wreckage so that it doesn't entangle on the way up. I signaled to my buddy that we'd swim out from the wreck and set off a DSMB. So I turned and started heading away from the wreck. When I got about 10 meters away I turned around and my buddy wasn't there. He'd obviously not followed me. So now I'm cold, it's dark. I can only see 3 meters in front of me and I'm 50 meters underwater on my own with at least 30 minutes decompression before I can surface. I decided to head back to try and find him. He was nowhere to be seen, but what did meet me was a massive mangled pollock. Fish, it seriously looked like something out of a horror film. It had one eye hanging out and all its flesh was an off grey color. It was surprisingly was still alive and swimming towards me. I thought it might have been the start of a nightmare. I decided that was enough in case any more monsters came to visit. So I swam off from the wreck, set off my DSMB and spent the next 30 minutes decompressing hoping the nightmare never continued. After completing my decompression, when I surfaced my buddy was already on the boat. We figured he must have gone in the opposite direction when I swam out to send the DSMB up. Me and my friend love deep sea diving and some of the stuff we see is scarring. February. We are exploring coral reefs and looking at exotic fish. We were in France. We live in England. We see some cod huddled around something and go in for a look. A dead body. We were pretty deep and on the sea floor so it should have floated up. Nope. The body was chained to this big block of concrete. 
We were freaking terrified and told the lifeguards, who told the police, the man had a slit in his throat. We were questioned and then released. TLDR. Found a body in France. Oh I have a good one recently. I tend to night dive a lot at the same site. It's good for teaching night classes and I used to take a friend out to the site for night dives all the time. The crazy stuff would happen during springtime. It would sound like you were right next to an plane engine underwater. Just a super loud drone like sound. On a recent night dive we had to abort the entire dive because it was so loud that I had to abort the dive. The sound was so loud that my bones were vibrating and I got a massive headache. I was convinced for the last few years that it was coming from the coast guard vessels near the site. I would call them and they would tell me that they weren't doing anything at night to cause that kind of sound. The next theory was boat traffic. I eliminated this by ascending and realizing boats were not present. Finally a Facebook group gave me the right answer. During the springtime a species of fish called a plainfin midshipman that normally lives at 400 meters in the Monterey Canyon, will swim to shallow waters to mate. The mating call of thousands of these fish is so loud that it was generating that it was creating the sound I was experiencing underwater. It blew my mind. The scenario doesn't apply to me, but I was in court waiting for my client's case to be called while watching an ongoing trial in relation to a diving accident. Of course, nobody actually knows what happened underwater at the time. Group of friends rented a commercial diving boat, no clue what they're called specifically. Four went down first and stayed under for about 20 minutes. During the 20 minute, guys 5 and 6 go in. Shortly after, guys 7 and 8 went in. A while later, guys 1, 4 and 7 and 8 come out. None of them said they saw 5 and 6. 1, 4 even said they never saw 5 and 6 enter the water. Search party sent out. Nobody found them. A few days after. The diving equipment was found without a person's and was found to be completely faulty. It was a while ago and there was a lot of diving jargon involved so I couldn't follow that well. Was interesting watching a lawyer who scubas cross the witnesses though. I am not a diver but I live in Australia and was fishing off a kayak and there had been reports of a 5.5 meter crocodile in the area. I didn't think much of it but as I was paddling along I looked down and there was a shadow matching the perfect size and shape of the beast. If it was a crock and not a rock it could had rolled me like a meatball. Most literally. I guess this could count as creepy as it's a near death experience. This didn't happen to me but to someone I know. He's free dived for all his teen years and this happened in his 20s. He went diving off the coast of Mexico and reached the seabed at one point. His necklace managed to get caught in either seaweed or something of the like and he couldn't move at that point and was running out of breath. The chain wasn't breaking and whatever it was stuck in wouldn't budge. He explained vividly how he had to remain calm and slowly unlink the chain instead from his neck. While on the brink of drowning, he finally managed to remove it from his neck and reach the surface. Followed by throwing up and almost passing out. He feels extremely lucky to this day and thankful for his instincts to remain calm where most would panic. There's a lake in France which has a really dark point, meaning it's pretty deep. I think it's about 25 meters or 30m. So I went there with a friend because we used to freak up about this special point saying there were weird creatures like a kraken or something. Whatever. We were exploring this place with big butt talk lights and there's a lot of things there mainly iron age related sites and old buildings which is pretty cool. 
The lake is known for the amount of old pirogs that sang there but you gotta know that we didn't know all of there when we explored it. Anyway, it's very but at a moment I see a dark pile of something in the distance and I approach and it's a pile of humans remains. Maybe 5 or 6 total skeletons. So we were really creeped out but we continued and kept thinking about it for quite some time after. A sound. A horrific sound like someone moaning underwater. Then it changed to a high pitch noise and then it stopped. I was more startled than scared but needless to say it completely ruined my mood for diving that day. I was diving in Mozambique one of many times. I love seeing sharks when I scuba dive, but I prefer to be at the same sort of depth as them. We saw two sharks whilst at the bottom from a distance, which was awesome. What wasn't so awesome was surfacing at the end of the dive, handing up all my gear, except my mask and fins, and then looking below myself in the water and seeing the two sharks circling around underneath us. I have never launched myself out of the water and onto the boat without help until that day. I think my stomach lurching helped propel me out. LOL. Not creepy but very strange. There's a shipwreck in the Red Sea off the coast of Egypt where a cargo ship lost a bunch of toilets and bathroom things. The whole bottom of the sea floor is covered with toilet bowls and you can even find fish living in them and coral growing around them. It was a really bizarre dive. Freedive spiffishing off Isla Morada on a low visibility day at about 55 feet. I took a shot at a cuba snapper that was hiding in a large crack at the bottom. He was a big fat 15 pounder so I was upset when the shot missed. I swam down to retrieve the shaft and a 10 plus foot bull shark darted over my left shoulder from behind me. The thrust from his tail almost pulled my mask clear off my face and caused it to fill about halfway up with water. He circled me twice displaying aggressive body language. Anyone who interacts with sharks frequently knows by their posture and movements when they actually mean you harm. He disappeared back into the muck and I started my ascent. Having been down already for 2 minutes I was worried I might black out after the spike in my heart rate. The water was so green I couldn't see the silhouette of the boat from the bottom. As I kicked up he appeared right below me coming in hot and nipped at my fins before darting away into the green unknown once again. When I hit the surface I jumped in the boat so fast my baggies fell down around my ankles. What is the scariest situation you've been in and thought I'm not getting out of this alive? Serious was in Iraq on my last deployment and was conducting a foot patrol. As I pass a side street the tailgate of a truck drops and there are two insurgents laying there with a machinagun who immediately open fire. The whole world slows down and seems to do one of those freaking matrix things where you can see the bullets as I scream for everyone to take cover and run for cover myself. I felt my body jerk and yank around and almost fall off my feet several times until getting behind a building for cover. I just knew I was dead and could not feel the wounds because of the massive damage. Checking over my body a canteen had been blown apart, a round had passed though a magazine pouch destroying 3 magazines of ammo. I had 2 impacts that ripped up the cover of my helmet without punching through and 1 round had passed through my uniform. Across my chest. Tearing at the inside of my body armor without ta 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 13 points of impact in all and not and scratch on me. We later joked that death must have been on vacation. Holy crap. You must have used up all your luck. My insane cousin decided it would be fun to dangle me by my ankles over a 5 story balcony. I was 5. I just remember looking at the ground so far below me and screaming at the top of my lungs. It felt like hours but probably only lasted a minute or two. 
Then my dad saw what was happening and my cousin was grounded for the rest of vacation. I got caught in an avalanche while skiing in Colorado once. I was completely buried by the snow, so much so that it was like I was being suspended in the middle of the air. I couldn't even tell which way was up. Mind you, I was around 7 at the time, so I didn't know the spit trick, and began shouting for help. I wasn't even sure if anyone could hear me, but I just continually shouted my head off, hoping someone would be able to come rescue me. After a little while, I started to believe that this was how I die, stuck in a giant snowball. I was stuck for a good 5-10 minutes before I heard a search team treading through the snow. Their dogs must have picked up my scent or something, but I heard barking, and then the digging away of snow. Then, a foot brushed up against my boot, then my whole body was being forcibly pulled. The sun was blinding, and the world was spinning, as apparently I was facing downwards, so I got quite the head rush. I had never been so happy to see the sun before in my life. In 2004 I woke up and started coughing up blood. Not just a little bit of blood, but giant splatters of blood hitting the wall every time I coughed. Think of the movie Exorcism but with blood and not pea soup. I immediately had a panic attack and thought that I was going to die. I woke up my mom to get help, and tell her goodbye. She called the ambulance and I spent the next 7 days in the intensive care unit. Eventually, they found that I had a serious infection that, as the pulmonologist put it, shredded my right lung. The infected tissue tore off of my lung and fell to the bottom where it abscessed. Every time it moved the abscess would rip the artery in my lung open and I would cough up about a liter of blood. The doctor had to cut 18 pieces of my lung out. Luckily, I survived but I get short of breath easily. See, this scares me the most. Other times it's people doing crazy stuff, or accidents on the motorway. But this, this can happen at any time. To anyone no matter how safe your life is. Terrifying. Glad you're okay. I woke up in a heap of twisted metal. My first thought was about the excruciating pain in my arm. I recognized it was broken in a very foggy way, as if it was no big deal. Then I realized my head was pounding. Realizing I had all my limbs I started to think about my situation. I was driving on the interstate. Now I'm in what seems to be a ball of metal. As I turned my head to look around I noticed two things. I'm not on the road anymore and I'm bleeding from my head. Number. I'm bleeding from my head, arm, and shoulder. And when did I end up on the passenger side of the car? I was wearing my seatbelt. I don't know how long I waited there. I tried to find my cell phone to make a call but I couldn't find it. I feel myself growing weak. While it seemed the cuts on my shoulder and head were nothing my arm was really bleeding. A lot. I could see the bone. So it's not really a surprise. I passed out under my passenger seat thinking so this is how I'm gonna die. Huh. I was terrified really. It seemed like I was there forever. In a fuckton of pain. Watching my own blood pool around me. I'm trapped. And by the time this thought crosses my mind I'm too weak to do anything anyway. For just a moment panic hit. Then I calmed myself. Not in any way that would be logical. Unless you hit your head and lost like half your blood. My justification for dying being okay was things like having a good hockey season. And finally sitting down to watch Shawshank Redemption. But deep down I was still scared. I was certain I would die there. I lost a lot of blood. Broke a three ribs. Suffered a concussion. A compound fracture of the radius and ulna. Forearm bones. And a handful of scrapes and cuts and bruises. 
I have no idea what happened. Witnesses said I was hit and run by an Escalade and my car rolled a few times, maybe 3 maybe 4. Investigation showed that my seatbelt was still buckled, but the belt itself broke. Firefighters cut me out and did a great job I would have to say. Doctor told me that if they took their time I might have died in the ambulance, or in my car. I'm glad you made it. I was 10 when it happened to me. Drunk driver crossed the yellow lines and hit us head on. I made it. Mom didn't. It's hard to describe that experience of having everything right with the world one second and the next you're trapped in a heap of twisted steel and blood. And you don't know why. I'm not sure if this is a compliment but you did it very well. Was electrocuted in the wet grass. And couldn't let go of the cable for a few seconds. Got out of the pool as a young kid and went to turn the power to our filter off which was on the house. Grabbed the switch to turn it and couldn't let go as my entire body started to feel weird. It's not like painful it's just such an uncomfortable omfgwtf is going on let the frick go now feeling. Very scary. It was actually around 3am. One night last week. I woke up to pounding on my front door. And then I heard someone fiddling with the doorknob. Then more pounding on my front windows. I was sleeping in the living room. Back of the house. And I got up to stand in a corner where no one would be able to see me. I don't know why. I guess I was just scared and that was my reaction. Then I heard pounding on my living room windows. Which look right into where I sleep. Some noise on the back deck. And then nothing. I'm a single woman living alone in a giant. 4 bedroom house in a crappy neighborhood. So yeah, I'm not sleeping too well lately. Heck no. Incite some friends or family to stay the night a few days. I'm a man and I wouldn't do that crap alone. You're a brave soul. A bunch of adventurous co-workers decided to take skydiving lessons. Couldn't pass that up. We did a few hours of on the ground training. And then they packed us into a tiny plane four at a time. Clipped our ripcords to the plane and we jumped out at about 2500 or 3000 feet. It was a static line jump. Meaning that the plane opened your parachute for you as you fell away. It was one of the best feelings I'd ever had. And I went back on my own the next week. I couldn't talk anyone into coming though. So it was just me. I signed up for an accelerated course that involved a lot more ground training and three tandem jumps. Where you clip up to an experienced jumper and they teach you how to maneuver and gauge your control and focus and then you get cleared for jumping solo. It all went great, and after a couple more weekends I was doing solo jumps and working on turns and having some of the most intensely awesome experiences of my life. On my 10th jump, I went out at around 12,000 feet and started trying to figure out how to do something other than turning and tracking. I'd drop a shoulder and the world would start spinning all over. And I'd come back and try it again. I wasn't getting the hang of it at all. And kept trying to figure out what I was doing wrong. All of a sudden. I realized that I had gotten distracted and had completely forgotten about altitude. I hadn't checked my altimeter once the entire time. I didn't have a sense of how long I'd been falling. I was in the middle of a tumble. And the ground. Or what I could see of it as it was flashing up then down then sideways then behind me. Seemed really really close. Closer to me than it ever had before. I looked at my altimeter. But I had an overwhelming sense of urgency to make a decision. So rather than take the time to read and understand it or stabilize myself. I went for the ripcord. I was upside down and at an angle when my chute popped open. 
It had been packed very loosely, and when the risers went taut, one of them wrenched my neck pretty good and twisted my helmet 90 degrees, smashing my nose into my face and blinding me. I flailed around unable to see anything, not knowing if my chute was open or garbage, trying to get my helmet unstuck. Even more than being scared that I was going to die, I remember feeling a profound sadness that it was my own stupidity that got me there. Panic helped me untwist the helmet, and it really hurt. My nose did not want to be smashed back the other way, but a desire to know how many seconds I had left was a strong motivator. I was still 1200 feet above the ground. What an idiot. Overall, it was great fun, but I got all the excitement I needed out of skydiving and haven't been back. Maybe someday. In the spring of last year I faced one of the most terrifying experiences in my entire life. I've been playing rugby for 5 years. One game. I went to make a tackle. My teammate who weighed 90 pounds more than me, went in for the same tackle. The next thing I know, I'm on my back with a bloody mouth. And my teammates and coaches are kneeling over me. Turns out that the top of his head smashed me in the mouth. Busting my lip wide open and jarring my brain significantly. Two weeks later I woke up at 2am complaining of a severe headache and sore eyes. So my mother takes me to the air, unsure of the lingering results of the injury. By the time they finally call us in from the waiting room, I can barely walk straight. They take me into a dark exam room where I lay down on one of the hospital beds. The pain progressively gets worse, so I call the nurse. She comes in and tells me to stand up. After which I immediately vomit. So they bring me into a treatment room and start pumping me with a variety of migraine medicines via IV. The whole time I have this slight throbbing pain behind my eyes. After the 5 different medications, I turn my head to tell my mom something. But no words come out, just incoherent babble. So I try again, same thing. Something was wrong. Then came the excruciating pain. My brain was literally being crushed and nobody knew what was happening or what to do. After what felt like hours of agony, they pumped enough morphine into my system to dull the pain. At this point I still can't walk, my skin is tingling, my muscles aren't responding properly, and my vision is blurry. After a revealing CT scan, the head neurosurgeon was called in to perform an emergency surgery at 5 in the morning. He drilled two holes in my skull to release the pressure of the fluid, as well as two small tubes to drain whatever was still being produced. So here I am a year later to tell the story of a freak accident that went down in the record books at the hospital where I stayed for three weeks. Thanks for taking the time to read this everyone. TL. DR. One of the most terrifying experiences of my life was when rugby injury ruptured an arachnoid cyst in my brain causing it to leak cerebrospinal fluid into the subdural cavity, essentially crushing my brain over time. Nobody knew what was happening, or what to do. I was dying, of it all. The scariest part was witnessing the successive breakdown of bodily functions. Walking, talking, seeing, feeling, moving, slowly feeling myself die. I was taken to the emergency room in septic shock from an abscessed tooth. I had been having a toothache for a few weeks but it wasn't so bad. I woke up that morning in so much pain I thought my eye was going to fall out and then I don't remember much more until I was in a hospital bed being pumped full of drugs and fluids to get my blood pressure back up. 
I crashed again during the CT scan and I really thought I was going to die. It was so scary. I had just had the contrast dye put in me and thought I had peed myself and then my blood pressure bottomed out again. My last thoughts were I'm about to die in a puddle of pee. I don't remember again until my parents were there. They told me what had happened and a nun came in and told me her church was paying my hospital bill. Three days later I woke up in my bed at home hallucinating an alligator was at the foot of my bed. I devised a plan to leap out of bed and onto my dresser all the floor is lava style. It didn't work. I crumpled into a heap on my floor. And my boyfriend came in and filled me in on what all happened. I had literally almost died. It really changed my whole life. At first it really messed me up, and I can't say I'm not still kind of screwed up from it, but in all it was for the better. It got my life back on track and great things are about to happen. Welp, I'm gonna go brush my teeth right the frick now holy crap. Climbed a 14,000 featuring mountain in the middle of winter. Got stuck in a freak snowstorm and spent 3 days soaking wet and shivering in a tent with two friends as the snow piled 4 featuring high. Ended up being rescued by search and rescue. The three of us got pretty close during that trip, in more ways than one. Stuck on a chairlift on a ski hill, in the middle of a blizzard, a hundred feet over a ravine. Was 14 at the time. A storm moved in and in they were shutting down the mountain. I begged the lift operator to let me do one more run. He relented and I went up. Five minutes later the lift stopped moving. Before the whiteout closed in, I could see that I was parked over a rocky ravine, about a hundred feet below me. As the minutes ticked by, and then a couple hours, it became clear to me that they'd forgotten all about me. Temps plummeted, wind picked up and my core temp started dropping. Options were few, raise the bar and fall to my death or stay on the lift and die of hypothermia. I considered crawling up the chair and trying to make it to the cable above, then shimmy to the next tower, then down to safety. That all sounds like an easy, simple choice when you're sitting in your living room. It'd feel like sure death when you're sitting in the lift. Fortunately, when I didn't return home that night, my parents started calling around and eventually figured out where I was. In the wee hours of the night, I could hear a tracked grooming vehicle going up the mountain. I knew they had to be looking for me. Half an hour later, the lift started moving again and a SAR team met me at the top. Frostbite on the toes of my right foot and both my hands, but lived to tell about it. For a long time there I was absolutely convinced, I'm not getting out of this alive. Rock slide in Yosemite National Park. I worked in the park, and lived in the valley in a rock slide prone area. One night right before bed I heard what sounded like thunder, but remembered the sky was perfectly clear when I entered my tent just minutes earlier. I ran out of my tent and into a chaotic scene. My fellow employees panicked and were running falling downhill as the sound of thunder grew closer and closer. I hid behind the largest boulder I could find and expected rocks to come rolling past me any second. The sound was intense, frightening, and seemed to close in on my location with each passing moment. I thought it was the end. It seemed a decent way to die. What felt like minutes, it was likely just seconds. Later the rock slide stopped. I barely slept that night. Some employees needed stitches for from cuts sustained during their flight, but otherwise no one was hurt. In the morning a couple of us went looking for the devastation and found the slide stopped roughly a 100 yards from our tents. I felt very fortunate to have lived through that one. I got caught on a cliff top while snowboarding. 50 meter fall down onto rocks. 
no way of undoing my binding or climbing up to safety. I was stuck until 6pm where I got airlifted out by helicopter after being stuck for 3 hours. First time I have truly feared for my life. Reading all these posts makes me not ever want to go back to snowboarding. As a kid playing on train tracks, my mom starts shouting at me. I look behind me and there is a train bearing down on me. Someone ran up there and pulled me off, but I was just stunned and couldn't move. I was in a car accident with my dad once. Actually, I've been in like 4 with him, but we were waiting at a red light, when it finally turned green. We started to go forward and out of the corner of my eye I saw a van coming from the right that looked like it was going too fast to stop at its red light. I shouted oh my god because there was really nothing else I could do as a passenger, and my dad slammed on the brakes, making us run into the side of the van. It still kind of shakes both of us because if I hadn't called out, my dad wouldn't have braked, and I would have been hit instead of us hitting the van that was going 45 miles per hour. Not a particularly long story, but around age 9, an older and much larger kid at some after school daycare thing held me underwater at the pool. I immediately panicked, thrashing and struggling with this kid's slab of meat of a hand calmly holding my head just below the surface. After a minute or so I couldn't hold my breath any longer and inhaled a bit of water. For whatever reason I stopped thrashing, became very calm and pushed away from the kid with my feet, deeper into the pool. The kid let go of my head and I made it back to the surface where I proceeded to vomit, cry and cough up water for the next 10 minutes or so. TL. DR. Day camps are a great way for your kids to exercise and meet new friends in a safe and well supervised environment. I love your TL. DR. While going to Fresno State University I moved into some apartments right off the school. They were right next to the university on Bulldog Lane which I later found out it was known as one of the more dangerous places in the area. So I had this CAD class at night while in college, and class was around 3 hours long, it would usually end at around 10 at night, and I had no car, so I would have to walk alone for a good half a mile off campus to my apartment. One night class took a little longer and I ended up walking home at midnight. So I make it to the apartment's locked gates and notice some suspicious guys waiting outside the gate. I was already scared and suspicious about them, but I decided to just ignore them and walk in. Right before I make it to the door they stop me and ask me if I wanted to buy em. I just ignore them at first and put in the coat to the gate. As I walk in they ask again and I just say no. My dumb butt never thought that now I opened the gates to the apartments and they can follow me to my place. So I just try to walk normally to my place while trying to not crap my pants as they're following me. Next thing I know two more guys are in front of me. They pull out a knife and point it at me. The guys behind me then ask me, you sure you don't want any? I can't remember exactly what my response was. All I can remember was it was some sarcastic butt joke about what choice did I have. The guys behind me take out the drugs and ask for my wallet. Me all scared I just give it to them. He looks inside and laughs. Being in college, money is not something my wallet was familiar with. I did however have my school id, some coins, and a condom. He pulls out a gun and says, no cash on you and you still think you getting laid. Lucky you I don't got ammo on me today, so make that condom useful. He gives my wallet back and just dips. Ambushed by two Taliban. Read. Local buttholes criminals. 
with RPK machine guns from about 60 meters away. Myself and four other guys were dismounted from our MRAP looking for command wires on a stretch of Highway 1 in Ghazni province. AFG. We have to hop over this mud wall into a great field in order to keep moving parallel to the road. As I'm going over the wall, I think to myself wow this would be a really crappy place to get ambushed. We were effectively isolated from our vehicles which had crew served weapons in a walled in field. Not good, but we had to go in there to look for the wires. We had gotten hit in this area before, so we walk. No more than 2 minutes after we cross that wall crack. Crack 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 crack. I could feel the first round fly right in front of my face. It was like feeling a kind of overpressure right in front of your face. Kind of like if you've ever had a baseball thrown really close to you and you can feel it passing by. Anyway, there were two machine guns shooting at us from two different angles. We were cut off from the rest of our platoon so we had no crew served weapons to bail us out. To make a long story short, we ended up shooting and grenading our way out of that field and somehow no one, on our side, got hurt. Ended up with a bullet hole in the shoulder pocket of my uniform. Rough day. I'm really surprised there aren't more Afghanistan Iraq war stories on this thread. Glad you made it through that. I was on a plane that caught fire. We were over the Gulf of Mexico about an hour from land. We had to sit there and try to stay calm. I hate to fly even years afterwards. My husband was out of town, and I woke up to a man standing at the foot of my bed. I thought to myself calmly, so this is how I die. I forgot that I had dragged my elliptical trainer into the bedroom to make room for more crap in the living room. A jacket draped over gym equipment makes for an ominous figure. I love to swim in the ocean, and I used to have no fear of swimming out too far, since I'm a very strong swimmer. Last spring, I was at the beach and I saw a sandbar a ways out. I could see the waves breaking, which let me know there was a shallow area, and I decided to swim to it. A friend accompanied me, but about halfway she got nervous and turned back. I was like, 8, see ya, and kept swimming. When I got close to the sandbar I was pretty tired, but I figured it'd be fine. I'd rest there where I could stand, and in a little bit I'd swim back. But the problem was the sandbar was too deep to stand on. I could touch the bottom easily, but the water was a few inches above my nose, so I couldn't rest. I was annoyed, but I didn't think it was a big deal. Until I started swimming back. I was very far out, and I was tired. I wasn't making much progress forward, and the waves were tossing me around. My friends were tiny spots in the distance. I started to panic. I thought, I'm going to drown. I'm going to freaking drown I've never been scared like that, not before or since. I wanted to cry, my heart was pounding, I was totally exhausted, and because of the adrenaline coursing through me I was paddling way too hard, not getting anywhere. I was having a panic attack in the middle of the goddamn ocean. All of that lasted maybe a minute, not more. Suddenly this thought came through, louder than anything else, do you want to freaking die and I realized, if I kept doing what I was doing, I would drown. If I kept panicking, I would die. I was 19 at the time, and up until that point I had never seriously faced death. I forced myself to stop swimming and just float for a second. I forced myself to calm the frick down. Then I started swimming back, more calmly. Now, I was not going to die. I was not going to freaking panic and die because I was acting like a reckless goddamn butthole. 
I honestly think the only thing that kept me alive was how pee off with myself I was. I was still scared, but I pressed all those feelings down and just swam, and swam, and swam. When I got back to the beach, I completely collapsed. I crawled up the sand until I was far enough out of the surf that the waves wouldn't come up to my face. I was heaving. Best workout of my life, right? Jesus. I don't know how long I had to lay there before I could get up, but while I was down there, the water lapping gently at my legs, I kissed the sand completely sincerely, and developed a healthy freaking fear of the ocean. That was a great read, I know that panic. All consuming. Glad you made it back okay. Doctors of Reddit, what's the creepiest thing you've encountered while on the job? RN here, I took care of a lady once. She nearly died of sepsis, blood infection. She'd had multiple strokes and coded multiple times in the IQ. They'd given her levofed. Levofed or leave em dead is what we say because levofed shunts blood from your extremities to your vital organs, usually resulting in necrosis, death of peripheral tissues. This means when she came to me her fingers and toes were all black. She wasn't quite right. And I've seen lots of crazy, but she truly unnerved me. She never talked, only whispered in this bright bubbly voice, like a little girl's, but she said awful things, like can you push me outside so I can chew my fingers off and she would smile all time. She also had some really bad pressure ulcers, bed sores, from just basically being immobile for so long. We had to dress her wounds daily, she'd usually rip the dressings off pretty soon after we put them on. One night I went into her room and saw a piece of what I thought was dressing on the floor. Upon closer examination, it was a chunk of her own skin. A partially healed skin graft to be exact. Still gives me shivers. Not a doctor, but I work in a personal care home. We used to have a resident who would constantly yell out hello. Drove us a bit bonkers. After he passed away a lady moved into the room. One night I was working a double. Evening to nights, she pulled her call bell. I went in and she asked me to make him stop. Make who stop what? The old man standing beside the bed. He won't stop yelling hello. How do you just not quit your job and move to Kuwait after that? Not a doc but I am an EMT. Honestly old demented women holding baby dolls. They pet em and crap. That baby is real to them. Freaks me the heck out. While on an infectious disease elective. I took care of a patient with a brain abscess. The abscess had knocked out the language centers of the patient's brain resulting in an aphasia. His words were completely scrambled 90% of the time. Ironically, the patient was a computer scientist software engineer responsible for coding groundbreaking voice recognition technology. The irony really creeped me out. I worked in an and the creepiest thing I can remember wasn't so much an event as a look. A 4 month old child was brought in because it had basically suffocated in its crib due to neglect. The mother was there, watching her baby die and maybe it was the drugs still coursing through her system. Maybe it was the shock, but watching as one of our priests tells her outside the trauma bay heaven has claimed your daughter. The glassy, thousand mic stare she gave as she asked if there were police going to her house and if she could go home. Something that utterly wrecked everyone an hour and she had this otherworldly, totally distant look because she was thinking about how she's going to get busted. But some days, your faith in humanity is tested. Not a doctor, but both of my parents were. So here's a couple of the weirder stories I remember. Mum was in a dock. One night a guy came in who had tried to commit suicide. 
He had used a shotgun, but had stuck it under his chin instead of in his mouth and had angled it wrong so that he just blew most of his face off instead. Apparently he only lived about a block from the hospital so he just walked over with no jaw or nose and only one eye. Basically just a couple of bloody, rasping holes instead of a face. He was in such a state of shock that he just calmly walked in and sat down in the waiting area. The other is much less gory, and mostly just weird. After retiring dad worked in geriatric care for a few of the nursing homes around town. One guy had this really weird affliction that I can't remember the name of, but it caused him to have really weird hallucinations. Like snakes coming out of his nose and mouth. The strange part was that he was completely lucid and actually really intelligent, and my dad would talk to him frequently, they would be discussing films or philosophy, and the guy would occasionally calmly say, hang on a second, and then proceed to pull a two foot invisible snake out of his nose, he'd lay it on the ground, and then it apparently would slither away, he could talk about them and describe them in complete detail. Wish I could remember some others. There was one they told when I was a kid that had something to do with a radioactive alligator, but I don't remember the details. Also I kind of think that particular one might have been one of those stories. A friend of mine is an EMT around Chicago. They gets a lot of calls for homeless people who die during the winter. If they don't find them quickly enough the body cools and any exposed skin freezes to the ground. They have to scrape the people from the sidewalk before they can remove the body. A woman with schizophrenia had the delusion that men were ejaculating on her head constantly. So, she would smash her noggin with rocks when available to purify herself. The repair I saw, one of many as it turns out, as this was something she did frequently, required neurosurgery for the skull cranioplastic prosthetic for the ruined skin and bone, and plastic surgery to bring the skin together just right. She had a helmet for as long as I knew her. I have never encountered a severer case of self-harm, excepting suicides, as this woman. Sad to hear is it probably stemmed from childhood sexual abuse. Nurse, not doctor, but I had a 91 year old woman who came in with a stroke. She was unresponsive and breathing at about 44 respirations per minute, hyperventilating. This went on for about 3 days. We were waiting for grandma to kick the bucket any minute. All of a sudden her bed alarm went off. We figured it was a visitor who had leaned on her bed too hard, because that can send it off. So I don't exactly bolt toward her room. When I get in there, she is sitting up. Legs swung over the side of the bed, yelling I need to pee I get her to the commode, and get her back to bed. She starts bawling, saying she wants to see her husband, who is long dead. She died two days later. Not a doctor, but a nursing student studying psychiatric and geriatric nursing. We spend 12 hours shifts at the hospital nursing home, twice a week and usually rotate patients. One of the things that constantly freaks me out is when a patient says something like, I'm dying. They usually do die within a couple days, if not hours after having said that. At one of the nursing homes we did clinical at, they take this as a very serious ominous sign. I've seen this in both critical care patients and patients who are expected to discharge that same week. It's not uncommon for them to say they see their parents, loved ones, etc and then pass away shortly after. Not saying every patient that said that has died, but I've seen enough that I take it seriously and it gives me the spooks. Not a doctor but care provider in a home for developmentally disabled adults. 
Some details changed for anonymity privacy. A long-time client whose mentality interests were comparable to four six-year-old would cover his head with the bedding when he went to bed. When staff playfully asked him what he was doing, he'd tell staff he was hiding from the ghosts. He never identified the ghosts and did this for years so staff always thought it was just the client being playful. At one point this client didn't want to do his normal routine like eat, drink, stay up to watch television, or use the restroom. While bathing, the client said he was seeing ghosts and pointed. Staff replied, what ghosts and the client said, my mom and dad, gonna take me home. Staff gently reminded the client that his parents had already passed away, that they couldn't possibly take him out that weekend. Within 72 hours of telling staff he saw the ghosts of his mom and dad, that client went to the air, was admitted to the hospital, and passed away. I was the one that had spent half the night in the air with that client. I had taken him to the air before and other routine medical appointments. This client was known for being rather combative during such visits but was unusually peaceful the entire time the last time he went to the air. When I went to the client's memorial, I told the client's family that I thought he knew it was his time based on how calm he was. I didn't disclose the part about seeing ghosts of his parents shortly before the air visit. When I was working as a critical care nurse, I sent my patient down for a heart catheterization. She was so sweet, and I remember that she and I were joking about a bunch of different things before she went down for her procedure. When she came back, she was very drowsy, as is expected from the worst, but very very confused. She proceeded to have IQ psychosis due to the sedatives. Every time I would come in the room, she she would throw cups of water at me and yell at me. She would make this guttural noise, and tell me that I was the devil. I walked in one time, and she said, Dear Lord, please come down and slit this woman's throat. She continued to say this kind of stuff. She told her husband that I was walking into her room with poison balls and trying to kill her. She said that my skin was falling off of my face. She scratched and hit me. It was very sad and scary. I hadn't seen this happen prior to this. We had to give her antipsychotics and restrain her initially to keep her from hurting herself. It was pretty terrible. Not a doctor, but as an EMT a few years ago I came across the most horrifying thing I've ever seen. So to set the stage a bit, it's the middle of August and it's over 90 degrees Fahrenheit, 32 degrees Celsius outside, with 70% or higher humidity, real miserable conditions outside. We get a call to help the police with a welfare check. Basically the police knock on an elderly person's door and make sure they're still alive or need anything. This was after the neighbors had gotten worried about the over 90 year old woman who lived in the house. She hadn't been seen in about 2-3 weeks. From what we were told, the responding officer checks all of the doors and windows and gets no response. So we pull up the contact info from our last visit to her house. The young gung-ho rookie cop got the okay to break in to check. So he goes to break down the front door, he runs up to kick it and slips as he's giving the kick, and falls into a bush. He finally got it right the second time and knocked the door in. Meanwhile me and my partner are laughing our asses off at him. The next moment he set foot in the house and turned right around. He was stopped cold by the smell. That's when we knew we didn't have a patient, but a body to find. So a little more background to the environment. This house didn't have air conditioning and was sealed up tight, no windows were open or anything, add in the temperatures outside in the previous month and you have an oven of a house, 
We were walking into a house that had a dead person sitting in it for over two weeks in an oven. So we go inside, and the most horrific, eye-watering smell hits us. It's indescribable how bad it was. We could taste it it was that intense. The only words I have for describing it was airborne death. So while we are gagging and trying to search the house, we finally found her body. She had been taking a bath, and somehow managed to die and fall into the water. Think bony, festering, maggot soup and that's what we saw in that bathroom. We took one look and nope the frick out of the house. I still have nightmares about that sight, and the smell. That smell comes to mind every time somebody talks about the smell of death. The ME thought that she may have slipped and struck her head and drowned, or she stroked out and drowned in the tub. I watched a patient's heart stop on the monitor once. There are false alarms sometimes of course. However, I was experienced enough to know that it was true alarm. I called the nurse and told her she might want to check the patient. I remember her laughing nervously to tell me that she was talking with the patient at that moment so she could not possibly be dying. I could even hear the patient talking to her cheerfully in the background. I double checked the monitor and saw a few beats here and there and luong lines. Just as I was advising the nurse to manually check the patient I heard her drop the phone and go. Oh no followed by the code blue alarm. That patient did not come back. Nurse here. Once I had a hospice patient. I went in to check on them and asked if they wanted breakfast. They said no. I'm dying. After a few minutes of assessments and small talk I went to get their pain medication. I was gone for 10 minutes. When I got back they were indeed dead. The creepy part is that their watch has stopped 5 minutes before I entered the room. A regular quartz watch. I was only gone for 10 minutes. I can't explain. Also, I checked. The pin was in the watch so he didn't turn it off. My trauma nurse friend told me she was caring for a patient who unexpectedly coded. She had to run out of the room for more supplies and when she got to the supply closet, what she needed wasn't there. She said, frick 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 and got supplies she needed from somewhere else. The patient survived. The next day, she was tending to the patient who said, you know, you shouldn't use words like that. The patient went on to explain that she saw my friend, the nurse, saying frick in the supply room. There was no way she could have. She was dead on the table down the hall. But the patient described exactly what happened as if she was there. While I was in nursing school I did rotations in a smaller. We had done compressions on a full arrest for quite a while and the doctor finally called it. Afterwards they called it I was asked to do post-mortem care. As I was rolling the patient with a co-worker. The patient was rolled towards me and almost up against my body as the nurse cleaned her backside. At that moment she began to vomit and she kept vomiting. All over my white scrubs. Vomit sucks. But a dead lady vomiting on you takes it to a whole other level. My mom works in the local and sees a lot of interesting stuff. I'm relaying the stories she's told me. Once there was a guy who'd been stabbed who was being wheeled in and was still in shock so he wasn't really feeling the pain yet. He was eviscerated and was holding his intestines trying to push them back and on the docks and nurses had to retrain him from trying to do so so he wouldn't damage them further. To anyone who's had bile drains like me, this will make you cringe. Guy in prison has end stage liver failure and has external biliary drains. These are drains that are screwed into the bile ducts in the liver. He gets into a fight with another inmate, and the other inmate grabs the patient's bile drains and rips them out. Jeez, just typing that makes my stomach hurt in sympathy pain. 
I had bile drains for the same reason for months on end and just a slight accidental tug on them hurt like holy heck. Patient came in with large abscess that requires lancing. Doctor goes and starts injecting lidocaine to numb the skin before cutting. As he's telling the patient just about done with the shot, boom. Abscess explodes all over his face. He wears glasses so his eyes were protected but everything else got splattered with pus and nastiness. He promptly excused himself, walked to the supply closet and grabbed a few bottles of rubbing alcohol and proceeded to get into the decontamination shower and dumps the bottles over his head. He said it took many showers to feel remotely clean again. Ugh. So gross. There's also a frequent flyer who's a very large gay guy. He always comes in complaining of rectal bleeding or bloody stool so the doctors are forced to do a rectal exam. When they do this the guy moans and basically gets off of the digital check. Really creepy and gross. So of course the head docs send in the residents or new attacks as a joke. One guy came back and flipped them all off yelling frick all you guys and my mom at the desk with all the docs and nurses busted out laughing. Last one for now. There was a couple who did some drug together. I think it was crack. The guy beats his girlfriend to death and they're both brought in. The guy is cuffed to the bed while the team works to try and save the woman. Meanwhile all this guy can do is be about how he's hungry and demands a food tray or turkey sandwich. Standard hospital issue. Eventually the head doc goes in and tells him to shut the heck up. That they're not a restaurant and they don't owe him crap. It was pretty satisfying for every staff member in the air. In my early internship, a young unmarried woman was admitted to surgical ward for emergency laparotomy. Her family seemed least concerned about the agony of abdominal pain she was in. Her abdomen was opened and there was a fetus in uterus or the tubes I don't remember now with evidence of instrumentation by the quacks for inducing abortion which is illegal in hospitals in my country resulting in uterine and intestinal perforation. The family was brutally indifferent since she had brought a bad name to them. Vet clinic story. Graphic warning. I was interning at a local clinic when I was younger and I had the opportunity to sit in on a one you cat getting spayed. Now I have a pretty strong stomach and I've seen stuff like that before but I was not prepared. But now the surgeon was a real fun lady. She was all about showing me the real side of being a vet. Fair enough because to be honest. It sucks and there's a lot of nasty stuff you see do. She opens up the poor cat and announces that she's pregnant and asks me if I want to see the babies. Gross I thought but why not. I poke my head over and she lifts out the womb. Terrible looking stuff. She points out several lumps along it and tells me that's the fetuses. She places a small incision above one of them and then goes to squeeze one out when. Pop. Not a fetus. Bit a big. Stream of pus comes spraying out of the womb right up onto the surgeon's face. She freezes. The assisting surgeon starts frantically getting this crap off her and I get to witness the greatest string of profanity I'd ever heard from a woman her age. Turns out the poor cat had pyometra, an infection of the womb that when undiagnosed looks like undeveloped pregnancy. Fun day. Got to go home early while they cleaned up. Don't worry the cat was absolutely fine. After she cleaned off her face she finished removing the tissue and got the cat on antibiotics. My girl was a vet tech. This dog came in that hadn't crap in a while. Owners swear the dog couldn't have ate anything. They finally do exploratory. Doctor cuts into the stomach or whatever and there is this huge eye staring out from inside the dog. Doctor pulls out a large stuffed bunny with oversized plastic eyes. I am the creepiest thing. I'm a male anesthesiologist. 
when I was about 40 I had a female patient about the same age for a breast biopsy. I started to sedate her with a medicine like Valium and the nurses began to drape her with her breast exposed. The surgeon was one of my favorites. A fun female who I enjoyed talking to. She often wore funny items such as cute socks. I asked her, any interesting socks today just then my patient asked in a very distraught voice. What did you say I replied, somewhat confused by the sudden outburst. I wasn't talking to you. I was talking to the surgeon and asking if she was wearing any interesting socks oh. She said, I thought you said, any interest in sex today yup. Imagine you are a 40 yo female and your 40 yo male anesthesiologist gives you a sedative and asks if you are interested in sex once your breast is exposed. People criticizing nurses for posting here, but they are the only ones who spend any amount of real time with the patients. I would hardly expect any doctors to have one stroke eighth of the stories the nurses would have of the same patients. And EMTC patients at their roist. So although I have little experience with them, I'm sure they have plenty more stories, too. I think this question was directed to the wrong people. Can we use a nice, general medical professionals? I just hate to see nurses get crap on. Not me, but a family friend who was an EMT got a call that a dead homeless man was found in the woods. When he went to retrieve the guy body, they found that it had been partially eaten by something. He says there were organs trailing in different directions all around the body. Wolves, coyotes. I used to work with dogs. One of my co-workers told me about a doctor who lost his license because a woman woke up early from surgery and saw him zipping his pants and wiping her face off. The doctor got nervous and told the husband don't worry if she says she saw some crazy stuff. It's common with anesthesia. The wife told the husband what she saw and the husband got suspicious. They drove to the police station instead of driving home and the police swabbed her face. Turns out he jacked off on her face while she was unconscious. Not a doctor, but as a nurse's aide, I can tell you that the way some people get at night when they have Alzheimer's is really really weird and creepy. I worked in transport for almost two years, in school to be a nurse blah blah blah. The most terrifying thing for me would be one late shift in transport. We store our stretchers on an unused unit, fourth floor way in the back, old building. We have since the start of the hospital in 1951 added to it. Now this unit used to be the old psych unit before it was shut down. It had unique room layouts and doors with windows and custom locks. While I was putting a stretcher back up there in the room where we store them when I just felt like I was being watched. I walked out into the hallway and asked if anyone was there. Usually a fellow transporter would sleep in one of the far rooms because he would work a morning shift but lived far away and didn't want to drive back. Anyways, no one responded but as I stood there and surveyed the hallway, the wheelchair that was against the wall just decided to start rolling by itself a few feet as if it was nudged by something. I promptly noped the frick off that unit. I never went back alone. When I was on my OBGYN rotation we had a patient who had to come in for an MRI scan. Usually before MRIs you have to declare if you have any metal implants. She was like ah oh, yeah I do. It's in my vagina. Turns out she had a beer bottle cap inside, and it was lodged in there for 12 years. The bottle cap was so fused to the vaginal wall that we had to use bone forceps to break off the fibrous tissue that was encasing it. After we removed that cap, we found another two more inside. Fun times. Trauma nurse here. Hope I may comment. 
Several times over the years, we've had patients who were victims of violent crime, gunshot wounds, stabbings, car versus pedestrian, arson, etc. Where the perpetrator turned out to be a family member who'd been visiting them in the hospital the whole time, while the patient was comatose and said family member had not yet been named as a suspect. Some of these perpetrators turned out to be murderers, as some of the patients would go on to die from their injuries. Takes a lot to creep out a trauma team, but knowing you've been in a tiny room with a violent criminal and their victim makes you uneasy, even if you know you're never going to see them again. I'm not even a doctor so this most likely isn't relevant, but I've spent months of my adolescence in the city's children's hospital, incarcerated in multiple wards, most prominently the psych ward. After 9pm there are nurses on guard duty patrolling each dormitory in case anybody tries to escape and harm themselves during the night. The dormitories are very small, only 4 rooms holding up to 2 people, so it's practically impossible to get past the guard. Regardless, I kept my door locked in case. At around 3am I'm awoken from my slumber by breathing. I groggily disregard it, assuming that it's my roommate, before remembering that my roommate had left the day before. Nope, it's the freaking manic depressive bipolar girl who managed to sneak past the night watchman, unlock my door and watch me sleep. I have no idea how long she was there for, but she just smiled and then backed out of the room. When I woke up, there were tiny shards of plastic and glass all over the floor. That place was freaking mental. No pun intended. Dentist here. One time I had an old lady come in with a porcelain crown in a bag. She asked me if I could resment it for her. I looked at her tooth and it was in pretty good shape. Looked at the crown and realized that it had some brown gunk in it. She reported that she had swallowed the crown and had been extra vigilant as she sat on the toilet for the next couple of days. It's okay. I soaked it in alcohol for 24 hours she told me. Without being rude I surmise that the brown material must have been poop. Gross huh? Well, it gets better. In order to resment the crown it needs to be clean on the inside and at the time I didn't have our fancy sandblasting air abrasion machine. I had to do it the old fashioned way, with a drill. So here's a quick practical dental lesson for you a crown that has come off son fecal matter in it has an incredibly pungent smell lovingly called the under the crown smell it is a combination of skunk old man pits and mothballs as you drill it out it produces heat smoke and dust and smells like burning skunk old man pits and mothballs if you use water to minimize the smoke it splashes all over you and then you stink like the aforementioned trio so i elected to remove the poo and old cement without water so at least i wouldn't smell like a stanley steamer sandwich for the rest of the day i took my diamond impregnated crown drill and went to work on what i can only describe as a turd hot box my whole office smelled like someone had made an anal sacrifice to pele the volcano god now, if you've ever sat next to a campfire you'll know that smoke can make your clothes skin hair stink. Thus the awesome strategy of not using water as coolant backfired and I wound up smelling like roasted dingleberries for the rest of the day. Anyway, we resmented the crown and saved her $1000 at the expense of our olfactories. Every time we see her we think of her poo tooth headset. TL. DR. Lady ate a crown. Fished it out of her poo. We cleaned it out and glued it back in her mouth. Stunk like burning poo for a while. Back in high school I volunteered to hang out with folks in the geriatric depth of the hospital on the weekends. There was a mix of people there most were pretty nice people but there was one guy with pretty severe Alzheimer's. 
completely off the grid mentally, he would throw things at nurses hated hospital food. One day I was talking to one of the patients in the hallway and he overheard me talking and yelled at me to come talk about the weather, I said okay and as soon as I got to the door the stench hit me and he screamed in absolute horror what is this? WHO did this while pointing at a pile fesses in his bed. Nope. 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 I will never work in healthcare but I highly recommend volunteering at your local hospital to visit the aging population because depression is rampant and most rarely have visitors family only visits once or twice a year. One little old lady was confined to her room because doctors were unsure what she had but it was something bad because there was an actual biohazard warning on her door and nurses needed special masks and scrubs to enter the room. I was not permitted to see her but she poked her head out of the door slightly once and said she wished someone would come visit her and stop being scared of her. She had tears in her eyes. I almost cried after my shift. Serious, when driving at night, what is the scariest most unexplainable thing you've ever seen? Attention, serious, tag notice, jokes, puns, and off topic comments are not permitted in any comment. Parent or child. Parent comments that aren't from the target group will be removed, along with their child replies. Report comments that violate these rules. Posts that have few relevant answers within the first hour. And posts that are not appropriate for the, serious, tag will be removed. Consider doing an AMA request instead. Thanks for your cooperation and enjoy the discussion. I am a bot, and this action was performed automatically. Please. Contact the moderators of the subreddit, message composed to equals r ask reddit, if you have any questions or concerns. Scariest only because it nearly killed me, driving back from a late high school football game that I was covering. I was going through a very remote section of highway and farmland. I was a little zoned out, but the road was straight and wide for a while. I was going along at a good clip when I was vaguely aware that there was suddenly something in my way, but it was almost just a sense of it, not anything I could really see. Something just didn't look right, and I could tell hitting the brakes was not going to help, so I swerved into the opposing lane and passed something large that had been blocking my lane. I still didn't know what it was, but it was large. I got turned around and went back slowly to see what the heck I had barely missed. When I got close enough to see better in my headlights, there they were. Two very large, completely black cows. They were big enough that my hatchback would have been totally crushed if I'd hit them, and it could have easily been a fatal accident, for me and the cows. I called the local police and they sent a car out while I waited to make sure no one else hit them, even though the cows wandered off the road a ways and I hadn't seen another car for quite a while. When they got there, they knew who the cows belonged to and called the guy up all pee off because this apparently happened more frequently than they liked. TL. DR. Dang cows nearly killed me. About 20 years ago, I was driving home from a late wedding DJ gig. I was driving south on a major interstate which was relatively empty at 2.30am or so. At one point, in the narrows, the retaining walls on each side get very high as the highway snakes underneath overpasses. Out of nowhere, a young woman jumped down from the retaining wall onto the highway and directly in front of my car. I hit the brakes hard, came to a complete stop, and nearly slammed into her. She looked up, ran to my passenger door and got in looking terrified. She looked between 16 and 20 years old, long blonde hair, and her clothes looked a little dirty. Not homeless dirty, but like she'd fallen down a few times. I just need to call my mom, she said. 
I tried to calm her down and began moving back down the highway and behind me about 50 feet. I see another figure jump down onto the highway out of my rear view window. I didn't mention this to her and she didn't look back or see the other person. I sped up and went about 4 or 5 exits south. She kept saying over and over, I just need to call my mom. This was before most people had cell phones. So I told her I would take her to one of the 24 hour grocery stores and she could call her mom. I asked her if she needed money for a payphone, what was wrong, etc. She said nothing other than, I just need to call my mom. I pulled up to the grocery store and stopped. She got out quickly, but not running, then ducked into the grocery. She didn't say a word to me or look back. I pulled into the gas station across the street and called 911 and told them the entire story and let them know the young woman was inside the grocery store and a description of her. I have no idea what happened. I don't know why she did that, what happened to her, who the figure behind us on the highway was, nothing, really made me super uneasy, I think I did the right thing, I would have tried to do more but she seemed really fragile emotionally and somewhat afraid of me, I am a guy, so I wanted her to just be able to get to where she needed to be. Hey man, you definitely did the right thing, I hate to think of what might have happened to her if you hadn't helped Jay was driving with some friends at around 2am, rainy cold night, along a winding section of road with a steep drop off to the river below on one side, we pass a small pull off and notice a car with no lights on, as we drive by we catch a glimpse of a person standing next to it, and as the headlights hit him we see his shirt is covered in blood all down the front, we don't stop, but turn around and drive back slowly, I roll down my window as we approach, and he just stands there, blood all over his shirt and pants his car looks fine couldn't have been a crash out the window i ask if he's okay and over the pounding rain and roar of the river below i hear the most distant and sorrow i'm fine gave me chills i don't reply and slowly drive off as my buddy calls the cops about half an hour later we drive by again and there is an ambulance and a couple cruisers turns out the guy slipped his wrists and was going to jump off into the river cold rainy and pitch black Scary where your mind can take you. There's a public park near my house, which gets pretty dark at night. I was driving home tired and exhausted after midnight when I realized that someone had dragged all the garbage cans and other large items out into the middle of the road to form a barricade of sorts. I'm not sure if it was just a lame prank or if someone was waiting for a car to stop so that they could rob a person. I didn't bother to find out. There was just enough room for my small car to slip through. It's happened twice in the past few weeks, so I'm going to assume it's just some teenagers being jerks. Call the police. Since it happened a couple times, then something is up. A big cougar running next to my car then for no reason decided to commit suicide and run under the side. I wasn't sure if it fricked my car up and was terrified to get out and check. Eventually my 18 year old brain decided I should check. It was dead but looking back that was really dumb of me. This story is one where I was the one that, unintentionally, scared somebody. I was driving home from a friend's late one evening, probably around 3am. The town I live in and grew up in has a reputation for being a racist area thanks to a few high profile incidents and a reasonable amount of racist idiots living having lived here in the past. As I approached the town, I was going round a roundabout when a car joins, ignoring my right of way and cuts me off a bit. It was a crap bit of driving but I'm reasonably good at not letting that get to me. 
What was mildly irritating though was given how keen the driver was to get out onto the roundabout in front of me. He then drove about 5 miles per hour below the speed limit on the way into the town and like I said it's late and I just want to get to bed. About a mile later we reach the main street of the town which has many turn-offs and I'm still sat behind them. They pick one of the quieter turn-offs which is the one I usually use to get home. At the end of that street they can go left or right and still end up at the other end of the housing estate. They choose right, which is where I need to go. Then they have a few turn-offs in both directions before hitting another main road. They choose a quietest turn-off. I presume thinking I'm following them and wanting to see if I actually am or if I'm just making my way into the main road. Unfortunately for them, they've turned onto my road. They're crawling along it at this point, obviously slightly worried. The driver probably thinks I'm still pee about being cut off and I'm following him for some sort of revenge. So they decide to pull in and let me pass. They indicate and pull across a driveway which just happened to be mine. I had to pull alongside them and open my passenger side window. The driver opens his and there's two three black teenagers in the car all looking slightly terrified by the pretty big skinhead. Not by choice. White guy who has been following them and now pulled up alongside them in the middle of a quiet estate in an area known for being racist. The look of relief on his face when I said sorry mate, that's my driveway you blocking there was pretty hilarious. Poor kid was scared shitless but somehow in trying to get rid of me made a series of road choices that convinced him he was about to be murdered. Car in front of you before they turn. Please don't go right. Please don't go right. You. Please don't go right. This woman was on the side of the road and asked me to come look at her car, which was parked in a large turn off. I asked what was wrong and she just kept saying to come look. I apologized and drove away and she just stood there while I drove away. More weird than scary but it was night in the country and I was alone. While working one night was called to attend a head on car accident with three people killed. The driver of one vehicle wasn't wearing a seatbelt and the force of the impact had embedded his steering wheel in his forehead. His best mate was in the seat next to him and was conscious and making the most horrific shrieks. We'll never forget that image or that sound. I was driving to work at 3 in the morning, I work at an airport, and I was in the middle lane doing 70 miles per hour when a lady ran at my car, in the middle of a highway, waving her arms. I swerved into the left lane so fast I couldn't believe I didn't hit her later, and kept going. I would have stopped, I really would have, but something in her face didn't say I need help, it was more I'm on massive amounts of drugs. When I got to my lot 10 minutes later I called 911 and told them what happened. I never heard anything or saw anything in the papers so I assumed she wandered away. I used to work by LAX in a small office park just south. As I was leaving, driving past the air force base just down the way, some guy in a suit, like typical business attire, ran through the center of the street in pitch black darkness. I can sorta of relate. I thought I was driving into Silent Hill when the road looked like it was flaking off and blowing away. Just Nebraska after harvest and the dried husks were blowing away. I was driving in Maine and there was a moose just hanging out on the highway. I just remember screaming and driving in the breakdown lane. I never realized how big a moose was. I also don't know why it was calmly standing there. I had something creepy happen to me a few months ago. I was driving home after seeing a play with a friend of mine, so it was probably around 11.30pm 12.00am. Also, I live in rural America, 
so there weren't any street lamps or houses for the majority of the drive. I was driving over this bridge and saw a car sitting on the side of the road turned on. I wasn't really concerned about it because it's a common spot for cars to pull off, even if it was kind of late. As I passed the car, I looked in my rearview mirror and saw that they had pulled out behind me. Again, I didn't really think anything of it, until they began to tailgate me hard. While that behavior isn't unheard of, it tends to be rare since the road is curvy and a hotspot for deer. I kept driving for a bit with this car right up on me which caused me to feel frustrated, confused, and strangely paranoid. Then, the car's headlights went out abruptly while I was nearing the end of a stretch of road surrounded completely by forest. This made me freak the frick out because it was still super close behind me. Then, the car sped up and went around me, but almost immediately slowed down to a standstill in front of me. At this point I was so afraid, so I sped up, went around the car, and drove way too fast to get home and then sprinted inside and locked the door. I didn't notice the car around my house, but I still feel worrisome about the entire ordeal and wish I knew why someone would drive like that. When I was a kid, living in Charleston, SE, my dad took me and my brother to a boat landing on a creek, right off of the intracoastal waterway to shoot off some fireworks we had left over from the 4th. This boat landing was up in the sticks in a place called Watmalaw Island very sparsely populated and pitch black at night. When we pulled in the parking lot of the boat landing, around 11pm, there was a 20-ish foot power boat nestled against the dock. The only people there were several guys wearing white boots and loading the back of an SUV with boxes from the boat. There was also a sports car, not sure what kind. We instantly got the heebie-jeebies, turned around and hauled but, about 30 seconds later, there was a car speeding towards us in the rear view mirror. We were already going 80 miles per hour, because my dad was convinced it was drug related, and it was gaining very quickly on us. We knew we couldn't outrun them. My dad drove an 81 Audi Fox, so before we went around a curve in the road, we killed the headlights and pulled into the driveway of someone's house, ducked down and waited. That car that was chasing us flew by, must have been going 100 miles per hour, easily. We sat there for a few minutes and saw the car going back to the boat landing. Crap could have ended very differently, I'm guessing sea shipment, TL, DR, me. My dad and my brother witnessed a drug delivery, got chased and barely escaped. Nice move on your dad's part. I've been waiting wanting to post this for so long, and now I'm late to the party. Anyway, I was driving very late at night through a pretty big park in NYC but not Central Park. Now this was after an all night film shoot for one of my friends in college and I had been up for a very long time. As we were driving past the wreck building with the pool I see a person galloping on all fours like a crab. They were moving so fast and I thought I had just been imagining it, but when I got home my boyfriend at the time who was sitting in the front seat asked me if I saw the crab person. It was super spooky and I just can't explain it. My friend and I used to go drive around our little country town at all times of the day. We'd chat, listen to music, and just sort of drive around for no real reason. One night, we decided we were bored and that we should just take a drive around the backcountry roads and just chill out. The roads were just two way, one lane each, with a speed limit of 45-55, I think. So, we pull out from my parents house and start cruising down a normal road that we take. We pull up to the normal four way stop and then keep heading out toward the country where the road gets a little bit more rough. 
On top of this, because it's actually out in the country, there isn't really any light aside from either the moon or the few houses that you pass on the way out. So, on the way out, I start getting this really weird feeling. I've driven this road tons of times before at night and I've never had this feeling before. It felt like a stone in my stomach along with some chills that were going up my legs and my arms. Around the time that I started feeling this, there was a car coming toward us going the opposite direction. We were maybe a mile or so away from one another, probably a bit more than that. My friend and I were still just talking and not really paying much attention to the car coming toward us. As it got closer, I remember feeling particularly uncomfortable and the conversation between my friend and I just sort of stopped abruptly. The car that was coming toward us was basically right in front of us at this point and it was about 2-3 yards in front of my car before it flipped its headlights off and veered into our lane, aimed directly at my car. This was all split second, back country road, pitch black, and headlights coming toward us just cut off completely. I, by some miracle, managed to swerve to the right, not too violently, to get out of the way. My friend and I were shaken as frick. I checked my mirrors and just saw the car flip its headlights back on and continue driving from the way we came. I think my friend and I had 5-6 cigarettes between us on the drive home and we decided to cut the drive extremely short because of this weird crap. I still have no valid explanation other than maybe it was some drunk dude in a car just freaking around with us. Even writing this, I still get heavy chills lol. It was pretty wild. We were driving down the mountain from a campsite on an old, dirt road, headed for town. It was 4th of July weekend, so we had gone camping, and headed home just as it was getting dark. We go around a bend in the road and our headlights pick up on something huge hunkered down in the bushes on the side of the road about 30 feet in front of us. We slow down and we're trying to figure out what the F it is, because it's moving. We let the truck crawl until we're about 10 feet away. That's when our headlights pick up one very large eye. Dang bull moose stands up from the bushes and tears across the road in front of us. Making that weird, grunting noise they use when they're grumpy. Let's shine a bright light on this giant creature in that bush WCGW. Sounds like a bull moose was one of the better outcomes of that scenario lol. We were on a cross country camping trip in the summer and we had been camping every night for 2 plus weeks in different campgrounds every night. We were using a AAA guidebook to find the best campgrounds and they were almost always full of people. We read about one that was very well rated, and free. When we got there it was late at night and we drove through looking for a good campsite. Problem was, we didn't see a single other person anywhere there. Dozens of spots, all empty. It was heavily forested and with it being so dark out and nobody else being there we all got a creepy vibe. I was only 12 or so but I was begging my parents to not stay there because I was so creeped out. My parents agreed and we went somewhere else. Never found out why it was empty or what the deal was but I've never been that creeped out before for seemingly no reason. I was driving to growl the mountains once on a very foggy night. A herd of elk becoming visible through the fog ahead of you is pretty scary. In 1994, my mom and I were driving from Colorado to Montana for my uncle's wedding. I was 4 and sitting in my car seat in the passenger's seat. We were in a fairly nice white rental for the trip because our family car definitely couldn't make the drive. It was after midnight and dead quiet on this stretch of forest Y highway with no lights or houses. 
We were in between towns somewhere just before the Montana state line. My mom was going about 70 miles per hour on one of those thin, winding roads without a care in the world when bam, a gigantic buck was standing in the middle of the road. She swerved but the huge antlered bee jumped the same way, causing us to plow into it. Its body spun down the right side of the car, knocking off the mirror and denting the frick out of the door all while releasing a barbaric forest animal death cry that was unlike anything I've heard since. My mom was obviously shook and sped off because a what if it's still alive, and b we gotta find a phone and report it, right? It took us about 20 minutes to get to the next town and find a bar. My mom ran in with me, both of us frantically crying, and all these burly men jumped up to help my mom. I assume they thought one of us was injured or in immediate danger. My mom relays the event through tears and then they all look at each other ask, well, did you keep it my 5 foot tall 105 pounds? Mom tells them that no, she did not drag a buck with trophy size antlers into the car with her 4 year old. They all started high fixing and asked her for the closest mile marker to where she hit it because that's good meat. My mom used the bar phone to call the cops and when she gave them the same story, they also asked if she kept it for meat. She figured country people in Montana are starving weirdos and that we should push through because we only had a few hours of driving left. We got to my uncle's house around 4am and immediately went to bed. Just after 7am, someone starts banging on my uncle's front door like they have metal fists. It's the cops. They had gotten about two dozen calls in the half hour since the sun came up about a murder car in my uncle's driveway. It's our white rental. Dotted in deer fur and absolutely caked in blood from the grill to the trunk with the right side of the car looking like a crunched up tuna can. We had no idea we were driving around in a nightmare mobile. My mom is horrified and tells the cops about the deer. Her call to the cops a couple hundred miles away, and how scary it was. The cops deadest looked at my mom and asked her if anyone had claimed the deer for meat. We've not been back to Montana since that trip. TLDR. My mom dang near totaled our rental by mowing down an absolute unit of a buck on a rural stretch of Montana highway, unknowingly caking the car in guts, and everyone we told wanted to know what mile marker it went down at for free fresh venison. Somewhere in some bar in Montana they tell the weird tale of the city slicker that got lucky enough to get a few hundred pounds of free meat and just decided not to keep it for some crazy reason. Once when I was 19 I got off work early at about 3am. I always took the back roads to avoid dealing with highways and really it was almost a straight road directly south of my job to get home. There aren't any street lights and once you go about 2 miles it turns into dirt road with a few 4 way stops. On this night it's foggy and visibility is crazy low so I'm only doing about 30 miles an hour. As I come up to one of the four way stops, there's a house tucked back from the corner with an old lamp post in the middle of the yard, basically halfway between the intersection and the house. I had been intentionally looking for this lamp post as it was a good indicator of how far I'd gone down the road as the fog was very thick and I was a bit nervous about it. I stop at the intersection and look over at the lamppost and see a man or a man-like figure standing beside it. Just standing there. At 3am on a foggy night. Goosebumps from head to toe and the hair on the back of my neck stood straight out and I immediately felt unsafe. The figure never moved as I drove through the intersection but the rest of the trip was dirt road with high rows of cornfield on both sides. I'm doing 30 miles per hour. Terrified. Heart racing, just knowing at any moment that figure is going to walk out from the cornfields into the road and I'm gonna be murdered. 
nothing did happen and I made it home just fine. But to this day it still gives me chills thinking about that figure. And just to be clear, I'd driven by that house countless times in the past and again after that. It wasn't a scarecrow or anything of the sort. I bet some dude needed to clear his head and came off a lot creepier than he wanted to. A few years ago I was driving alone at night through a shopping center and noticed things seemed sped up a bit. Like when you watch a video at 1.25 speed. Everybody was walking and moving too fast. I actually shook my head trying to shake it off. A few minutes later I was fine. I still don't have an explanation of what I experienced to this day. One night my wife and I were driving home from a 2am Walmart trip along a particularly empty stretch of highway. We come up over the top of a long hill and as the car levels out we see two deer halfway across the road. The deer that was leading the other broke into a sprint. The deer behind them froze. And I pumped the brakes all at the same time. Somehow this was all timed perfectly such that our car threaded the needle gap between the two deer that formed from the time when the one in the back froze till we got to the deer. Maybe 200 feet at 65 decelerating to 45 mph. Nobody was harmed. Human or deer. The car wasn't even grazed. We call that moment the deericle. Deericle just take my upvote. About 6 years ago, my family and I moved from the west coast to the midwest. Dad and I drove while my mom and younger siblings flew. Dad was driving the U-Haul and I was driving the van that we had at the time. We stopped for dinner around 8 and realized we had about 6 hours of driving left and decided to push on through. GPS took us a very weird way and had us exit on a rural route highway instead of staying on the interstate. So we are following this little windy road for what seems like forever. It's just past midnight when all of a sudden we are in this little town. Everything seems old and the houses feel like they are 10 feet from the road. There's not a single street light in this town so the only light is from our cars. We get to the house and my dad doesn't say anything about the town so I assume it was my mind playing tricks on me. A few days later I tell the story to my mom and she tells me dad told her the exact same story but thought since I didn't mention it that it must have been his mind playing tricks. I've tried to find this town again on many occasions and I have never had any luck. Redditors who spend a lot of time in seclusion, at sea, in the air or out in the wilderness, what's the creepiest or most mysterious thing you've seen, found or experienced? I worked a heap of night shifts solo in the middle of the Australian outback as a driller up in Mount Isa. Usually I'd be down the bottom of 200 meters and open cut mine. One night I'm just sitting drilling away and I look down at my door light shining on something. And there, in the middle of the outback, at the bottom of a pit, is a crab. A little crab just walking around. Really blew me away because I had no idea how it would have got there. And we were about 1000 ks from the ocean. Couple weeks after I found out they get sucked into the water table in Asia and pop out all over the world. Bloody fascinating. Hunting on Thanksgiving. 2015. I was at my in-laws house for Thanksgiving in NW Montana. They live about 60 miles south of the Canadian border. They are what I would call comfortable survivalists. And live warai off the grid. No TV. No cell reception. Too far up in the mountains for that. Great people. Just don't like towns. My wife was homeschooled. You get the idea. I decided I would go for a morning deer hunt on Thanksgiving. It's a great location for it. As they are right in the middle of prime deer, elk, and bear country. Their house borders national forest land on three sides. 
so pretty easy to find yourself in the middle of nowhere, because you're already there. My Phil insists I leave the house at the butt crack of dawn, where I hunt the deer don't start moving around until 8 to 9am, but of course I agree with him and head out before light. I've got a headlamp on, walking down a narrow trail and thick coverage and can see about 10ish feet in front of me. It's super cold but no snow. Dark as heck. 20 miles from the nearest town. Phil says before I left that about 20-25 minutes hike you'll come to a small curved valley that is a newly finished logging project. Perfect area for deer hunting as there is minimal coverage and you can see about a mile down the valley. The trail meets up with a rugged logging road. As I keep walking I can start to see large slash piles from this logging project all over the place. I find a good spot over this little valley to sit and listen. As I'm sitting there and it's getting light, I'm looking all around me for deer. To my right about 200 yards away there is a slash pile with something moving on or around it. I pull out my little binners and look. There is a deer with its legs in the air, covered in dirt and blood. I start to feel the hair on my neck straighten out. The deer disappears inside the pile of branches and then I see a mountain lion come out from the pile, nose red with blood. He scrapes all around the area for a few minutes. I'm guessing he smelled or sensed me, because he was walking around in little circles and looking up in the air. I didn't know what the heck to do. I kind of panicked because they are very territorial and will definitely attack people. So me being the cool guy I am, fired my gun in the air and walked back to my in-law's place in circles. I did see the lion run off, but still, that was the scariest walk I've ever been on. And of course played it cool when I got back. Told my wife what happened that night. We were out hunting with a group of guys. We were all about 100 yards from each other. The sun had set and darkness was quickly setting in. We called it a night and I started getting down out of the tree when I heard a twig snap. I froze thinking it was a deer and not wanting to scare it. After sitting for a few minutes this blood curdling howl comes from where the twig snapped. We don't live in an area with wolves. Like at all. We have coyotes. But they don't make the same sound. My phone started blowing up with the other guys asking if I'd heard it. Yep. It's nearly under my tree. It was so loud I could feel it in my chest. After about a half hour of silence I gathered all of my bravery. I bailed out of the tree. Armed with the knife. And made my way to the group. We never saw it or heard it after that. It was one singular howl in an area that doesn't have wolves. On an island we've hunted for 10 years and never had anything like that happen. Still haven't quite figured out where it came from or what exactly it was. I still get goosebumps thinking about it. I do environmental work and had to get access to go through this one landowner's cattle farm. Apparently he bought sick cattle on the cheap and if they lived he sold them. If not he would pile their carcasses in a waterlogged pit way in back of his property. I came across it by accident and saw several wild boar and coyotes run out from the pile. The smell was one of the most foul things I've ever come across. Oh yeah, the old offal pit. Anyone that's been around farms knows about those horrible places. I work on a research vessel and in the North Atlantic around 2011 we saw some extremely bright object fly into the water. Not fall, but with a trajectory and no sound. It was blinding to look at and brighten in green which illuminated the entire sky. It split the low-lying clouds like a sheet and continued to glow until it reached a depth where the light couldn't escape to our vantage point. Me and the other watchstanders all saw it and there was much debate and confusion with no answers. 
The next night it was like we went into a bird portal. Literally all kinds of seabirds just in a confused tumult. Smacking into our radars and falling from the sky. Even some that I wouldn't think could be out so far. Crap creeped me out to no end. I still tell the story from time to time as it is the most singular thing I've seen in a decade of sailing the deep sea. I was hiking through the remnants of a remote, long abandoned town in the surrounding area. To get to as far into the woods as I was, you had to cross fallen trees over a creek three times. I had just crossed the third bridge and was about five miles in and something blue caught my eye just ahead of me. There was a man, in his 60s at least, wearing blue satin pajamas, sitting in a tree. The closer I got to him the louder he laughed. It wasn't a maniacal laugh, but it set off all the alarms in my head nevertheless. He also wasn't wearing any shoes and looked well groomed cleaned. I gave him a friendly nod as I passed and he just kept laughing. Then it stopped. I turned and he was gone. There was no branch cracking. Plants rustling. Nothing. He was just gone. Still rubs me the wrong way. The area I was in was a pretty rough hike. Very secluded. Not very many people venture as deep as I was that day. No idea what was going on there. What was his riddle? I was doing some solo camping with my dog last weekend off in the wilderness. I was about 10 miles from the nearest dirt road, and probably about 40 plus miles from the nearest house civilization. I had set up a fire and was just chilling with my dog at about 8.30pm when I heard tornado sirens. Basically that siren that plays in the Silent Hill movie around town. It was pretty loud too, and I was on edge for the rest of the night. It sounded a few more times throughout the night. It's eerie to be totally surrounded by the calming noises of nature and then hear that, especially when I am in an area that hasn't had any sort of tornado or severe natural disaster in a few decades. After returning, I did some research and I can't find anything about any warning sirens being in place in that area, nor could I find the source of the sound. I single-handed a boat from Mexico to North Florida, a few days into the trip, horrible weather. Broken stuff and too many big ships around resulted in 54 hours without sleep. During the last part of that period a high school girlfriend, a former co-worker and I had a long conversation. Except they weren't there and I hadn't seen them in 15 years. Didn't actually happen to me, but I wanted to share a scary experience a friend of mine had. He was on a sheep farm in mid-February staying in the old farmhouse which was situated in Tipperary in Ireland being paid to keep an eye on the ewes while they lambed. It's in the middle of nowhere and a long long way from the nearest occupied neighboring farm. So as you do, he packed his shotgun and kept it close to his bed at night and allowed his trusty sheepdog Rocky sleep over his feet at the end of the bed. One night, he said it was two weeks into his watch. It happened. Being mid-February, it was cold as heck and nothing's colder than an old farmhouse with zero insulation. So he had two whiskers before laying down for the night. Before he went to sleep he checked his gun and patted Rocky. In the middle of the night, he said it was close to 3am he was woken by a strange animal cry, one which scared him bolt upright. Then there was a massive explosion and the window was burst out by a dark shadowy figure. He got such a fright he shat the bed there and then, hugging the blankets to keep himself safe. He later realized that the cry outside was a stag calling for a mate. The explosion was caused by him knocking the shotgun over and it going off. And the window exploding out was Rocky, who was scared shitless of guns to start with. When it went off the poor sucker jumped through the window. I love how terrifying, 
yet totally mundane and explainable. All this is. I was out turkey hunting. We had started hiking at night, and had found our spots at about 4am. I was roughly a quarter mile away from my hunting partner, shouting distance. It was pitch black, and we were trying to keep our lights off. I kept hearing human footsteps, coming from almost random directions. After getting sufficiently uncomfortable, I heard a voice that sounded like it was maybe 10 feet behind me. Hey, lawless syntax, in my hunting partner's voice. I smelled the smell of coffee and Marlboro Reds. I replied sup but got no response. I flicked my lighter but didn't see anyone in the area. After saying that a couple times, I shouted for my hunting partner. He called back from what sounded like a quarter mile away. It started raining in the distance and heat lightning would occasionally illuminate the field. I saw a tree that looked like a human figure. After a few moments it wasn't there. More footsteps around me. After a while when the sun just started to faintly show, I decided to take a break and was getting a bit creeped out. So I walked the quarter mile to my hunting partner's tree stand to ask him what he wanted. He said that he hadn't left his spot and didn't walk up to me at any time in the morning. I've heard plenty of ghost stories about not replying to a voice that calls your name in the woods. Owl cruising through the trees silently at about 6-8 feet of altitude. I can see where that totally silent phenomenon would get mixed up with a ghost in your peripheral vision. Not that I spend a lot of time in seclusion, but one time many moons ago, an ex-girlfriend and I went camping at a spot that was halfway down a cliff. Not as dangerous as it sounds, it was kind of a secret spot that I know of and it doesn't get used a lot. The first night we were there I heard some noises outside the tent and a bit of rustling on the tent. But she was asleep when it happened and, in all honesty, I was too scared to investigate. I just laid there until I fell asleep. Neither of us were dead in the morning so I thought nothing of it, until we came out of the tent and found a semicircle of about 10 rocks around the back of our tent. We didn't stay another night. Seeing what was left of a man lost at sea. We were too far offshore to report it to any governing body and what would they have done anyway? Just a bloated and sunburned torso bobbing on an endless horizon. Entrails dragging behind like jellyfish tentacles. And fish hanging out underneath. Nibbling. For me, the creepiest part was that there was no mystery. We all knew what happened, more or less. And we all knew we could be that guy. I hunt a lot. My father has property in South Texas and I love going out there alone to spend a weekend and hunt. One weekend it was like mid-November and pretty chilly out. I decided I would head to my blind around late afternoon and stay there through the night. When I arrived to the blind I hadn't seen any animals on the way at all and we are talking a good 2 miles of walking and not seeing any birds or rabbits or anything. I didn't think anything of it since it was winter of course but you still see some birds. As I arrived to the blind I was setting everything up and pulled out this bottle of the urine to try and lure a buck with. The moment I opened it I started hearing movement on this ridge back behind the blind and kept trying to look out the small windows and see if I could see anything. All of a sudden this loud thud hit the side of the blind. I jumped and thought maybe a deer had fallen off the ridge and hit the blind. I couldn't see anything so I opened the door and saw a huge rock and a nice dent in the side of the blind. Someone or something threw this rock which had to have weighed close to 30 pounds. I grabbed my rifle and said frick this most likely out loud threw open the blind door jumped the 6 or 7 feet to the ground and started running back to camp. 
nothing else happened other than the fact that that night I didn't hear any coyotes yelping and howling at all which you always hear out there. I got in my truck and left the next morning because I didn't feel like getting stabbed by some junkie or attacked by no Bigfoot. Have only gone out there a few times over the last couple of years and never had another incident. Don't go often due to wild hogs infesting the area. Sorry for it being a jumbled mess I am at work on my phone. It sounds like you were attacked by a wild trebuchet. A rare sighting indeed. Knew a guy that spent virtually his entire adult life homeless. Used to wander around all over the country and spent more than his fair share of nights sleeping in the woods with another homeless man he befriended while out in the streets. One morning he set off into town early to fetch booze and cigarettes while things were still quiet and not many people were around. His buddy stayed behind in their particular spot of the forest sleeping. These guys weren't too keen on being disturbed so they typically went fairly deep into the woods. A good two or so hours walk from town. It took him a good four hours to get to town. Buy his stuff from the off he then lug it back to the spot where his friend was. When he finally returned he found his friend burnt alive inside his charred sleeping bag. In the 4 hour window that he left to get booze his friend was attacked while he slept in his sleeping bag and was set aflame by someone in the middle of the woods. Not me but my dad. My dad was stationed in Germany in the 80s in the US Army, and every 10 years or so they would do what's called a Winter Reforger which was basically a giant game of war where two sides competed against each other. And why dad happened to be there during one. Him and a buddy operated a tank, but due to some complication, they needed reinforcements, so they had to stay put and wait. They got bored and walked to a small nearby town to get a bottle of apple corn, a type of alcohol. As they walked into town they saw a young boy riding a bicycle. They stopped him and asked him the nearest place to get a bottle and he gave them directions. As they were following his directions they saw a bar with a bunch of people in it. But for some reason the kid didn't mention it. But they went in anyway. As soon as they walked in, everyone stopped doing whatever they were doing and stared at my dad and his buddy. Literally everyone. Including the waitresses. After about 5 seconds everyone simultaneously started acting normal again. Like nothing ever happened. A little creeped out. They asked to buy a bottle of apple corn. However they refused to sell one to him. Instead giving them both free shots of it. After this they kept insisting that they sit down to eat. They were passing around giant bowls of food and everyone would take some from the bowl and pass it to someone else. But my dad didn't want any food, they just wanted to buy a bottle of apple corn. But they kept refusing, only offering shots and food, finally they got tired of it and left. As they were walking around looking for somewhere else to get the apple corn they passed the young boy again and asked him about the bar and why they refused to sell them the apple corn. The boy turns pale and stammers you went to that place and immediately cycles away as fast as he possible can. My dad and his buddy look at each other like what the frick curious they walk back to the bar to check it again. But when they get there, the bar is completely empty and the lights are off. They stare inside through the glass and the chairs are all upside down on the table with cobwebs everywhere. And the shelves behind the bar are completely empty and not longer stocked with alcohol. And they checked around the whole area to make sure it was the same area. And sure enough it was the same bar where only minutes before had been crowded with people. They then found another bar and bought some apple corn and quickly got the frick out of there. To this day my dad and his buddy swear on it and say it's the creepiest thing they've ever witnessed. Experience the creepiest thing that they've ever witnessed. Comma process to find another bar. Buy the apple corn. Then get the frick out of there. Actually my heroes.
I live near the criminally underrated north woods of Maine. The creepiest thing I've seen out there is lights. Lights in the woods at night. On two occasions me and a friend approached them they vanished when we got close. It was way off trail, in the middle of nowhere. No one had any business being out there at night. No one had any business being out there at night. And yet, there you were. Once when I was trekking through rural Finland alone, a stroll from the campsite, I decided to stop at a lakeside. I sat down by the lake in the moonlight, surrounded by trees and felt very calm for a while. Splashed water on my face and generally refreshed myself. Then after spending some time looking at the water I looked up and across the lake I saw a really tall figure, half as tall as the trees. It was really skinny and I'm pretty sure it looked like it had antlers or horns and really long fingers. Don't think it looked at me. I don't know if I was sleep deprived or something, but I remember I froze for a moment before running back to camp. I honestly remember seeing something. It was large and terrifying, but I was probably just tired and saw a trick of the light. I was in Oahu, Hawaii hiking the Nuanu Pali area with my boyfriend one afternoon. It was our first time there and our first time in Hawaii. We had chosen to hike that area because it was beautiful and heard that people see chameleons there sometimes. It was a beautiful hike. It was a very green rainforest with tall trees and bamboo. We decided to get towards the edge of the mountain towards the cliff and that when me and my boyfriend decided to split since we had the feeling we were getting close. I was alone hiking for probably about 30 minutes when I thought I heard somebody running through the forest in my area. I looked around and then the running sound was followed by silence. I didn't think anything of it so I decided to sit down and take my GoPro camera out and mess with the settings. I was sitting in silence again when I heard leaves brushing through the forest as if somebody was running through it again. Then it sounded like there was more than one person running and all I could think was who chooses to run in a muddy steep forest right next to the edge of a cliff and then the running stopped again and there was no one there again. I was alone but I started to feel like there were many people staring right at me. It was starting to get uncomfortable and I got up and left the area to look for my boyfriend. I couldn't stop thinking about the sounds I heard of people running and why there was no one there. I googled the area and found out that many people had experienced the same thing I did. The sounds of people running through the forest. People believe they are the sounds of soldiers running through the forest before they fell off the cliff to their death in a battle that took place there in the late 1700s. I thought I was going crazy but googling that place gave me chills. But why did you two go separate ways lol. What a terrible idea. I hope someone sees this because I've been waiting for the perfect place to tell this story. Anyway, me and my friend, both 17, were hiking in deep forest looking for sheds, deer antlers. We were probably 5 kilometers back in the bush in the middle of nowhere, when we heard the loudest, most textbook glass shatter I've ever heard. We looked for an hour but never found any sign of what make the sound. We finally let you shine and you leave us with 3 sentences. Welp. I guess not a bad 3 sentence read 10 stroke 11. I have experienced something like this in the woods of Portola Valley. I frequently camped by a stream. Maybe 3-4 weeks total camping time if you add it up. And always there was the sound of the stream in the background. As well as gentle wind. Boughs cracking and occasional animal sounds. Little birds. Crickets. You know. Life. Well one night I was woken up by a nightmare of a black grayish figure standing by our campsite just standing there. It had no features. It was just a dark black color. 
I don't usually have paranormal fantasies or dreams so this was very scary for me. It scared the crap out of me. So I woke up with a start. I wake up and then crap just feels wrong. I wake up my so and tell him I had a nightmare. As I am waking him up, I notice there is no sound. As in, zero sounds of air moving. Creek sound is gone etc. And the entire campground, for which we were there alone, feels extremely oppressive. Like heat with no heat. And I just have this feeling like we need to go. Like now. I have never had a feeling like this since. The more I think about it now the more creepy it feels. My so thank god was listening to me. He had some ghost experiences growing up and he noticed the lack of sound as well. And we pack up and leave probably in less than 30 minutes. That feeling of sticky, angry oppression didn't leave us until we were completely back in town. This is the stuff that's going to sound craziest. My car would not drive over 15-25 miles per hour all the way down the hill. No it wasn't in second gear. No we weren't high. My so and I tried everything but I kept saying we need to get out now. As soon as we got to town it went back to normal. I have no explanation for it to this day. I guess my story will be technically appropriate. On my last underway in the navy, I was sitting sticks, basically driving the submarine. A couple weeks after we left Hawaii, everything is going smooth, and then Sona reports a contact. Turns out it was a Chinese fast attack submarine, ended up following us for the better part of a day. Now, being in a hollow steel tube and understanding that at any moment you could turn into a mud dart is one thing. But that was a whole new level of stressful, especially considering we were much closer to Hawaii than Japan. My grandpa's story. He was an avid hunter, having thoroughbred coon dogs that won dozens of trophies each at dog shows. One day, he was out coon hunting through some woods on property that butted up to his house. As he walked across the cornfield coming closer to the tree line, he noticed something in the tree. He got closer and realized it was a freaking snowmobile just hanging in the tree he told me his first thought was what kind of hillbilly mother anyways he had a gun and three vicious butt dogs so he wasn't too worried he kept on walking and he came across an open-ended barn no gables either side in the middle of the woods he said he walked through the barn and there were platforms on both sides of the barn like stages along with a bunch of neon painting throughout the entire structure he then realized he had walked onto a haunted harried property in its off season. Lived in the mountains and desert alone for 5 years in a camper. I found a very remote place, no trails or roads, that emitted a low frequency hum. So permeating that plugging my ears still didn't make it go away. It sounded like a B-52 flying right over my head but nothing was ever there. I went back there a handful of times looking for gold and always the sound was there. About half a square mile of area. This won't sound like the spookiest story but I experienced something really weird twice. This happened was when I went to visit very old church ruins in the forest. The place is kinda spooky itself. The trees are just huge, small trees are crooked, many oaks and moss everywhere because sun rarely reaches ground. You get it. Typical very scary forest, but you don't get bad vibes or anything. So I started walking near ruins and went down the steep road. After a while I realized that everything went silent. No wind. No sounds of birds. Nothing. It was so eerie and weird. I wasn't afraid but felt like I shouldn't have been there. 
still kept going and the sense was getting more and more intense until I finally stopped and stared one big half dead tree in front of me and couldn't get my eyes off it. I felt hypnotized, like I was in awe with surroundings. When I could finally move I ran away back to the place. I haven't seen anything but I remember the weird feeling and silence. It wasn't a sense of dread, but I felt like I wasn't welcome and I needed to leave as soon as possible. No you are not too late. No your post will not be buried. Yes your post will be read. With threads like these, those of us who love them will read each and every single story. Even if the thread is years old, just tell us your story. No need to preface or worry. Rural Maryland was walking around 11pm with a friend through some fields, flying my drone, camping to get some videos at dawn. I am sitting there calibrating the drone to do a little circle when my friend taps me on the shoulder and points to the southern end of the field. Something huge, at least 9 feet was walking toward us. Slowly though, it was paralyzing. All my life it always been terrified of encountering some kind of weird cryptid crap or paranormal stuff. I can assure you, it was no bear, it was no man. It was tall, skinny, and moving. And we got the frick out of there. I think this is the fourth story I've come across in this thread now involving this 9 foot thing. Whatever it is. I was on a sub once with a couple of guys and a couple days. Maybe a week into the journey a boot appeared on a table. It didn't belong to anyone with us and wasn't put there by us. I spend a lot of my time hunting and fishing, so naturally I'm outside a lot. I was fishing the other night with my friend on his boat and I legitimately saw UFO. I'm not saying it was aliens, but there was a floating orange orb in the sky which moved unnaturally fast and it did not have the shape of anything I have ever seen before. It made me a little uneasy the rest of the night. I used to see something similar all the time when I was a kid. At my parents farm you'd see orange orbs coming from the southwest. They'd move fast and perform crazy stunts, sharp turns, loops etc. Until they flew away to the knee. The house I was raised in had a gravel back patio. It was meant to be flagged but never got done so was just loose gravel. Every morning my dad would go out and empty the bins. They were under my bedroom window. I sleep with my window open so would always hear my dad's footsteps on the gravel before hearing him empty the bins. Late one night I was playing on my PlayStation. I think it is Medal of Honor game. I had the volume turned right down for the sake of waking my family and the lights off. I was sitting there concentrating on the game when I heard the exact sound of someone walking across our gravel right under my window. I know the exact sound and I froze as soon as I heard it. I knew it meant someone was walking on our property. I was about 16 years old and was scared out my mind but didn't want to be a wuss. I remember pausing for a few seconds then jumping up and turning on all the lights as I sprinted downstairs. I hit as many light switches as I could as I ran to the kitchen, rear room facing back patio, directly under my bedroom. I turned on the lights for the backyard which were two strong floodlights. I stood face up against the glass and glared out the window looking for any movement. I was there for a good 5 minutes checking for any movement. Eventually I calmed down a bit and figured it must have been nothing. When I got back to my room I turned the last of the lights off and was just about to unpause my game when I heard the exact same footsteps but much faster heading straight back out. Whoever was there must have been hiding directly under the kitchen window I was staring out of the entire time. Freaked me the frick out. I didn't sleep a wink. Similar story from same house. 
Few years later when I was studying I would sneak out late at night for smoke breaks during assignments. My parents didn't know I smoked so I would be dead quiet and wouldn't make any noise as I snuck out for a smoke. One night I was standing there having a cigarette when I heard someone walking down our side alley. I freaked out thinking it would be a neighbor and hopped into the shadow of our patio doors which petroded from the kitchen. As I stood there I watching the shadow of a figure emerge from my neighbor's side passage that is parallel with ours. I realized real quick it was not the silhouette of my neighbor and curiously stepped out of the shadow. The figure stopped and was obviously staring back at me. I was lit up from the lights of my kitchen but the figure was in the dark. They would have been able to see me real clear glaring at them. They turned around and bolted. I ran back in the house and locked the door then ran to the front door to check it was locked. I heard a car screech off as I did. Freaked me the frick out. If you want to see out windows at night keep the indoor lights off and just turn on exterior lights. Whoever is out there won't be able to see you but you will be able to see them. I was walking in the woods down a gravel road when I suddenly felt like I was being watched. I stopped in my tracks and took a few nervous breaths. I turned my head to the right and saw a big buck and Tudors standing about 10 feet away, staring right at me. I turned slowly and faced them and said, hey. Are those your girlfriends? Are you taking good care of them? We stood and stared at each other for about 15 seconds. And they slowly meandered away while I watched. I guess they didn't hate the way I smell. That was a nice day. In non-rural relative seclusion. I used to work at this large movie theater with 16 screens. I loved being the closing usher, where the last 2.5 hours of my shift when all the work was done and I would just be walking around killing time before the last show got out and I could leave. Once everyone had left, I had to patrol and make sure no homeless people were hiding in any of the auditoriums or restrooms. It happens infrequently. Walking around in an empty theater, I was used to the creaks and noises of such a large structure that never raised an eyebrow. However, every once in a while as I approached the bathrooms, I would realize that the motion sensor faucets were running. I would notice this about 10 feet away from the entrance to the restroom. Without fail, as I would approach the entrance, the faucet would stop running. There weren't any doors to the restrooms. They were designed so that there were walls and turns that blocked someone walking by from seeing into the restroom. There was no way that me beginning to enter the restroom would be picked up by the faucet, yet it consistently stopped as I entered. The restroom was always empty, not really as spooky or interesting as some of these posts, but it's a mystery that I've never been able to explain. I haven't seen anything particularly creepy at sea, but there is something so unsettling about a really calm night. I'm talking zero wind, coming up on deck and seeing absolutely nothing but pitch black. You feel like you are literally in a black hole. It is incredibly surreal and hard to describe. It kind of feels like you're floating in a black abyss of space. The only thing you know is that your feet are on something solid, but other than that, really weird feeling. I spent two and a half weeks backpacking in Olympic National Park. The weirdness happened about a week in. I say about because the memory and the timetable of events is a bit fuzzy. I remember that I had gone bushwhacking the day before. This game trail I'd been following started to widen a little, and by midday of the second day I reached an abandoned cabin. It had obviously been neglected for a long time. The roof was covered in moss and the wooden walls seemed to be suffering from rot. Some weather seemed like it was going to move into the area, so I thought I'd take a break inside. It had a musty smell like wet stone, damp crawl space, 
and rotting wood. Despite the smell, the cabin was quite spacious inside. Incredibly so. Actually, there were two rooms, I remember, and a third door that went down a long, gently sloping stone tunnel that led down into what I assumed was a cellar. Looking back, I don't see how such a feature wouldn't have been visible from the outside, but there it was. I turned on a flashlight and started walking down. It went on for an impossibly long distance. I had gone about 100 yards, and my flashlight beam just faded into darkness when I shone it down the path ahead. This was not a cellar. There was a stiff eyeling, claustrophobic silence that seemed to press down on me the further I went. The darkness was disorienting, and I felt almost intoxicated. I'd probably stumbled on a pocket of poorly oxygenated air. Whatever it was, I'm glad I had enough sense left to I know the frick out of there pretty quickly. Here's a strange thing, though. I know I couldn't have gone more than 100 or 200 yards down that tunnel. I wasn't inside the cabin for even an hour, but by the time I got out of the it was morning. I had spent the better part of a day inside. Needless to say, I backtracked and got the frick out of there. One night while flying a single engine aircraft, I saw Saint. Elmo's fire on the prop tips, precipitation static discharge, a sort of dim circular glow. I was solo backpacking in southern Ohio. I had stopped for a rest around 10am and I saw a weird shape a bit off trail. I walked over and it was a very basic shelter. Stick walls, a tarp roof, an opened cans of food, cloths, and a bed. The weird part was I was at least 20 miles from anywhere people might be, and about 10 miles to the nearest road. It looked freshly lived in so I moved on. I still can't help wondering who might have set that up and was living there so far from anything. What's the scariest, creepiest, or most disturbing thing that's ever happened in your house? I was gonna write a big long paragraph for this, but it's not necessary. When I was about 11 or so someone that rented out our basement attempted suicide. She slit her wrists with a razor. Needless to say, it haunted that house forever for my 11 year old self. P.S. I'm a long time lurker. Go easy on me. My old TV used to turn itself on randomly. One time it decided to do this at 2am. Three days after I watched the Japanese film Ring. At first I was like, FFS it's turned on again. Then, I stared at the ceiling for about 10 minutes before I had the balls to look at the screen. I used to live in a 110 year old Victorian house in San Jose with a few buddies of mine. We'd hear stories from contractors that were preparing the house for renters after the old lady had gone senile and been transferred to a nursing home. Things like footsteps upstairs when no one was home and the electrician was in the basement, hollow noises where noises shouldn't come from, etc. Well about 3 months after we moved and we would be startled by apparent heavy footsteps coming up the wooden stairs from the street. Thinking it was one of our roommates coming home early, we would always open the door to greet him. There was never anyone there. I can't stress that enough. Yet, the best would come almost 1.5 years later. I was splitting the front room with my friend in late one night. Probably 3.30am if I recall correctly. I awoke to the right side of my futon depressing in upon itself and the wooden part of the futon creaking very loudly as if some extreme weight had been set on it. 
This was compounded by the fact that my whole left side of the futon I had been sleeping on lifted in the air by about 6 inches. Yep, it was dead quiet and all the hairs on my body went up as the air got noticeably colder. I was sleeping toward the wall and for 2 very long minutes I tried to get myself to face whatever it was that was causing my whole freaking bed to raise up. Let me tell you this. To even get that futon to creak you would have to jump up and down on it with significant weight. Just the way it was creaking sounded like 300 pounds were being focused on one joint. Yep, whatever it was dissipated into thin air as my bed slowly went back down again. I woke up to a freaking deep depression on my right side of the futon, something that I also can't stress enough, would take lots of weight to do, as it was a very firm futon mattress. It gets better. My roommate was awake the whole time and heard the exact same thing I did at the same time I told him it happened at. He never opened his eyes either as he thought it was just me shifting the bed around or whatever. After this, it never happened again, but I could totally tell it was something in the house finally trying to connect with us, and it took all the energy it could in the room to get the point across. Even when I see the house today, it still freaks me out. My parents had just recently purchased an old Victorian house that was conveniently located near an Indian reservation and an abandoned mental institution. Of course something bizarre was bound to happen. Anyway, I was about 8 and one day we discovered that one of the large decorative square patterns in my wall was actually a door to a small crawl space. When we opened it up, the only thing inside the room was a small kid's desk, a small chair, and a notepad of some sort on the desk, which looked empty of any writing. Maximum creepy. Needless to say we sealed that thing up tight. However, that night I woke up from a cold breeze coming from somewhere in the room and saw that the stinking crawl space door was wide friggin open. I got up and just ran to my brother's room to sleep. That morning we went back to seal the room again and saw that the little pad of paper was opened up. We thumbed through it more accurately this time and found just two pages on it where it was written with pencil mommy I don't like it here. WTF. Thank god I'm reading these stories in a library full of people. Great, now I'm not going to sleep tonight. I hate ghost stories and, being a natural skeptic, I read stories like these and immediately think they are bulls but that is just my built-in defense mechanism. That said, I never wanted to believe in the existence of such a thing until I had my own experience. An old girlfriend of mine and I went to visit some friends who had recently purchased a new home in Chicago. It was one of your typical Chicago-style bungalow homes. So the guy is showing me around the house and everything is pretty standard fare until he says let's go check out the wine cellar you have a wine cellar, sweet. So we go into one of the bedrooms and in the closet there is this small half size door with locks on it to lock it in a manner so nothing that is downstairs can come up into the house. We open the door and it leads down into a full sized basement. At first I thought it was really cool and then I started to ask why the only way into the basement was through this weird door in the closet. My friend had no clue but he didn't think anything of it. I recall feeling kind of strange and uncomfortable down there. Later on that evening we all went out for dinner and drinks and returned to the house to catch some sleep. They had two couches that my girlfriend and I were to sleep on. Now, it's not uncommon that when I am sleeping somewhere for the first time I have a difficult time falling to sleep so I am lying there on the couch just staring at the ceiling and listening to my friends busily moving around the back of the 
house, or so I thought. After lying there for what seemed like a couple of hours, listening to all these back and forth footsteps and the sounds of door opening and closing I decided to get up and go see why our friends were still awake. When I got to their bedroom door I realized that everyone was very much asleep. At first I was a bit freaked out so I went back to my couch, pulled the blanket up to my chin and just laid there with my eyes wide open. More noises. By the time I heard the doorknob of the front door turning, which was only a few feet away from where I was lying, I literally just started laughing. I had no idea what else to do. I wasn't scared. I was just kind of blow away by how surreal it all was. Finally I drifted off to sleep. The next morning I woke up very groggy and my girlfriend was already up sitting on the couch across from me. As soon as her friend walked into the room the first thing she said was dude, your house is totally haunted. I couldn't believe it but the whole time she was hearing the same thing as I. When we tried to talk to our friends about it at breakfast they absolutely refused to discuss it. That was the last time we stayed there. My friend's house is haunted. I normally don't buy people's bulls ghost stories, but his entire family, and anybody that stays in the house a few nights, would agree that weird crap went on in that house. There are dozens of stories, but I'll tell mine. One night I showed up to my friend's house for a party. I was about 18 or 19 at the time. Everybody was in the basement getting drunk and as I walked to the basement door to go down there I passed the bathroom. The light was on. The door was closed. And I heard 3 or 4 female voices inside the bathroom. Awesome. I thought. There are girls at this party. I hope they're hot. I stopped to listen to them for a minute. I was trying to figure out if I knew their voices or not. I could actually hear what they were saying. They were talking and laughing. I listened for about a minute. I then went downstairs and started drinking. About 20 minutes passed and I asked my friend where the girls were that were upstairs and everybody there were 5 or 6 guys there at this point. It was early. Just stopped and stared at me. There were no girls in the house and the night before my friend had been woken up my girls voices coming from that bathroom. Everybody else was thrown because my friend had told them about it before I got there. We went upstairs to check the bathroom. The door was open and the light was still on. The water was also running. What kills me is I actually heard what they were saying but I don't remember it because it didn't seem important. I freaking heard ghosts having a conversation and I don't remember it. Lame. One time I was home alone when I was younger and for some reason just assumed my dad was home. I heard his computer chair upstairs moving a couple of times and didn't think much of it. You should have seen my face when he walked in the house and said he had worked late. Not my own house. But there was one time I was sleeping on the downstairs couch in my girlfriend's dad's house. All the lights were off and there were no windows. It was pitch dark. I woke up sometime during the night and I heard what sounded like heavy breathing right behind me. I immediately began sweating and silently freaking out but I refused to move for fear of setting off whatever was behind me. I must have laid there for a half hour listening to the breathing before I eventually dozed off. I don't remember falling back asleep but the next thing I know, it is morning and some light managed to illuminate part of the room. I go upstairs and ask if anyone had gone downstairs during the night but no one had. I probably just dreamed the whole thing but my heart rate increases every time I think about it. I live out in a rural area. My bedroom has one of those sliding glass doors that's just one big sheet of glass with a frame. One night, a couple months back. 
I was chilling in my room around midnight and noticed something outside through the corner of my eye. Now, I see plenty of wildlife around the place. Raccoons, foxes, squirrels, deer, skunks, and more. I'd seen a fox outside my door not long before, so I figured it was a fox again. I saw the tip of the tail and started thinking of the fox. Then I followed the tail to the body. That body was too large to be a fox. Then I followed the body to the head, and the head turned and looked at me. Jesus Christ it was a mountain lion. As I held back the urge to pee myself, it just turned and walked the frick off. A baby cried all night long. There was no baby in the house. The baby's crying could only be heard in one room. One room where there definitely was no baby. The baby has never again been heard from. Well obviously you haven't heard it since because it's now dead from you not feeding it, you monster. A woman about 100 years or so ago burned to death in my attic after starting a fire with a lamp. A lot of the wood covering the attic is charred still. When I first came to look at the apartment I am living at now, the people that were moving out were the ones to show the apartment to us. There was no one from the building present. They were a real scumbag looking pair. The guy just says out of the blue that he was going to prison, and his wife could not afford the place anymore. More on that in a minute. So I don't think too much of it, and we move in a few weeks later. While talking to some of the neighbors, there are townhouses and two buildings in the same development, they asked me if I knew what happened in my apartment. I was like uh, no and then they proceed to tell me that the dude that lived there was off to prison for raping some little girl in the apartment. WTF. That was information I did not need to know. The worst part is his wife got a new place on the first floor, right on the corner where all the kids would pass to take a shortcut to school. When this monster got out of jail, they let him move back in. Again WTF. Who thought it would be a good idea to let a convicted pedophile move into secluded place that had a ton of kids walk by all day. He did not last very long. Every time he was managed to leave his home, he was yelled at, hissed at, chased, threatened, etc. Still, that level of decision making is maybe the most disturbing of the whole story. Yeah man like what the frick. At least he was harassed whenever he left the place. When I was 6 and my brother 4 we used to sleep in the same bed since we were both semi scared of the dark. This one night there was a bad thunderstorm and we were both tucked away just after dark. After we had settled down with the usual giggles kids have at bedtime we were both starting to drift off when we heard a girl's voice from outside calling help me, help me. We both stood up on my bed and looked outside and both to this day remember exactly what we saw. There was a little girl in a pure white dress kinda incandescent just standing there in our front yard looking at us. There was a flash of lightning and then she was gone. Man even just writing this out makes my skin crawl. Definitely the largest unexplained paranormal encounter I've ever had or want to have. I woke up while it was still dark, and saw what I thought was a human head sitting on my bookshelf. I freaked out and hid under the covers, to protect myself. Turns out it was my Furby. I won't really say creepy but definitely odd. So I am at home alone one day watching some daytime TV when my dog, then 9 month old puppy, come trotting from my parents room tail between her legs, to me, makes a few laps around our coffee table, looks out one of our front windows, and comes back to me whining. She then goes down to the front door growling, the only time she has ever growled, and she is not 3 people years old, comes back up, tail between her legs, 
And I am looking at her like WTF about a minute later I hear what sounds like a baseball hit my front door. I go to the front door to check things out and no one is out there. So I walk around the house. Nothing. I got back in. Again. Like WTF. A few minutes later my doorbell rings and instead of running down to the door to greet whoever it is. My dog runs. Tail between legs. To my parents room again. I open the door and there are two Mormons there wanting to talk. IDK if any of it had to do with the other things but I was baffled. TL. DR. My dog has a Mormon scent and God punched my front door before they got there. Also my room is directly above the metal support beam of my house. In our garage. And I constantly hear something bang on it. Probably a couple times a week. But it is always a single hit. No clue what it is but it hasn't killed me yet so what if. Oh boy. Where to start? Our current rental is cursed by an insane homeless man who legitimately believes the house was bequeathed to him. We have a restraining order against him and there is a warrant out for his arrest. However in the last 10 months he and all his friends. Since he's been in jail creating fake legal documents with which to harass us. Have. 1. Left suspicious packages. 1. Stolen mail. 1. Left fake eviction notices and court summons with our names on it and threatening language. 1. Videotaped us receiving these fake documents. 1. Cancelled our water, gas, electric, internet. 1. Banged on our doors. It's definitely left me, being the man of the house, feeling anxious every night and losing sleep. Using a semi throwaway to tell this story because my family doesn't really like me talking about it. I've got some other stories, but I'll be talking about them on my main account. Anyways, I don't really remember all of this, so I'm going a lot off of what my mom told me. I was probably 3 or 4 years old, old enough to where I can vaguely remember, but still too young to have been in kindergarten. I was living with my mother at the time, and her former boyfriend, my younger sister's father. And we had just moved into this townhouse. It was one of those half houses. That you split with another person. It was a bit run down. And we didn't have any neighbors. But the place was pretty cheap and close to where my mom worked. It was a one level house. With a basement. There was a door in the kitchen that led to a narrow staircase that led down to the basement. However. There was really no need to go down into the basement. As the washing machine and dryer were both upstairs. The staircase also had this awful smell that sometimes seeped under the door and into the kitchen. As such, we didn't want to use the basement to store anything, and no one really bothered to venture down there. My mom and her boyfriend had checked it out before they decided to rent out the place, but that was about it. The floor was wet, winter was just ending at this point, and there was this flimsy partition that split the basement in half. They just assumed it was to split the basement between both sections of the house. But it smelled so bad that my mom and her boyfriend didn't even want to bother with it. There was also a bunch of flies buzzing around the house. Almost constantly. The more I think about it, the more I wonder why they even agreed to live in this place. Most days, the basement was ignored. But there were a lot of times where my mom would complain about being in the house alone because she felt like she was being watched. As the days grew warmer, there were times when the stench of the basement would seep up into the kitchen. Eventually, my mom's boyfriend decided to check it out. I remember him and my mom telling me to stay upstairs, but I got curious, so I just followed them down anyway. I remember standing on the last step above the basement floor, 
while my mom's boyfriend worked to knock down part of the wall that split the basement in half. It took him some effort, but it came down pretty easily. From what I remember, it was essentially wood and duct tape or something along those lines. On the other side, was a bunch of rotting dog carcasses. Well, by that point, they were almost completely rotten, and a ton of flies buzzing around. I don't really remember what happened, other than my mom called the landlord and we ended up staying at my grandma's house until we found another place to live. As far as I know, the house burned up in a fire a few years back. TL. DR. Found a bunch of rotting dogs in the basement. We were looking to buy a new house and our realtor was taking us to some showings. We went to one house where the previous occupants had already moved out. There were some cleaning supplies, but it was mostly empty. We go down to the basement, which was finished with a bedroom and a bathroom off to the side. Only the light from the staircase was working so we kind of poked our way around in the shadows. The realtor goes in the bedroom and turns to look in the closet. She throws her phone, papers, and keys into the air and just starts shrieking over and over then runs upstairs shrieking the whole time. So I'm left with the decision. Do I even want to see what's in the closet or should I grab my wife and bolt upstairs? I sent my wife upstairs, get in my best karate pose and peek around the corner of the closet. I jumped backwards and gasped and my eyes focused a little better. There's a goddamn tiger in the closet. A life-sized stuffed taxidermy tiger with its mouth wide open. It scared me and I knew I should be expecting something scary when I peeked in the closet. My brother and I were playing some Mario party and I kept seeing something white blurry walk by the door in the hallway and then I said loudly and clearly if there is some spirit here make this N64 stop working nothing happens. 10 minutes later the TV makes a god awful sound and then the game froze freaked out and the game won't turn on for 2 days after. He probably took so long because he was trying to find a younger ghost to tell him WTF and N64 is. My parents used to have this truck that I used to borrow when I was around 16 to drive to work. Sometimes when I got home, I would park and turn off the headlights, pull the key out, and then shuffle around on the seat next to me to get my stuff. It was then that I heard a faint kneeing sound. It was almost like a baby crying, but very faint. It made the hairs on the back of my neck stand on end, and I bolted out of the truck. This happened two or three times until one night I decided to sit there and track down the source of the sound. It turns out that after I pulled the key out, I would unhook my seatbelt. The seatbelt retractor spring would slowly wind the belt back up, and since it was old it made the weird squeaky sound. TL. DR. I thought my seatbelt was a dead baby. Guy who lived here before me, shot himself dead, about 3 meters from where I sit now. I needed a place to stay so I figure, when the doors open on their own, we make a light joke out of it. I was driving with my friend about a half mile from my house last summer. It was nighttime, and coming around a curve in the road I noticed a figure in my headlights. I slowed down and it was a person crossing the road, except the person looked like he was wearing several ghillie suits, those leafy suits that snipers wear that make them look like part of the vegetation and he was moving slowly. At this point we both were speechless, watching this thing cross the road. Once it got to the other side it dropped to the ground as if it did not want to be seen. It wasn't a Bigfoot or anything like that, but it was even creepier since this was a suburban neighborhood surrounded by woodland. If it was some random dude in a suit, 
WTF was he doing walking around at night? Needless to say I was freaked out for a while since that was so close to my house. When I was in high school, our basement was half finished so that I had a computer room. The house itself was tiny, so having this bit of space helped me get some work done without being distracted by anything. A lot of late nights studying and writing essays wasting time on the internet went down in that room. My mom's bedroom was right above where the computer was. One spring, I started hearing these buzzing sounds off and on and I learned to ignore them until one day they got really loud. I woke up a few nights with welts on my skin that were painful and looked a little like hives. Eventually, I traced the sound to a part of the basement wall next to the couch and banged on the wall. Nothing happened. The next night, I'm working and I start to hear the buzzing again, only this time a handful of massive yellow jackets fly out of the duct vent above my head. I freak out and tell my mom who flat out tells me I'm imagining things. She's allergic to bees jackets and I'm pretty sure it was her in denial. A few days later, my mom and I came home from school work and the house is filled with yellow jackets. They're everywhere. She finally admitted we had a problem and called an exterminator and it turns out we had an entire colony living in a foundation crack. TL. DR. My house was infested by yellow jackets and my mom didn't believe me until they swarmed the entire house. I was staying up really late one night while the wife and kids are asleep. Finally around 3.30am. I head up the basement stairs. Only the light at the top of the stairwell is on. As soon as I reach the top of the stairs, I look up and see out the glass of my side door a man standing about 6 inches away from the outside of the door. Maybe 3 feet from me. Just standing there motionless. And staring at me with a completely blank expression. I screamed and almost fell down the stairs. He didn't move at all. It wasn't until I yelled that I was calling 911 and getting my shotgun that he turned and slowly walked off into the darkness. Horrifying. Dang it, so freaked out by this thread and just happened to be reading it at a time when, for some reason, I decided to sit here alone in my basement apartment with all the lights off except for my one desk lamp. I'm in a position right now, lying on my back with my knees bent, a blanket over my legs and laptop in my lap. I can't see the rest of my room right now much past the end of my bed, and I just heard a loud click on the other side of the room. Ah and I'm actually too scared to freaking look. This is some weird crap that happened to me about 15 years ago, when I was about 19 years old and living with my parents. My parents and sister were going on a trip to Seattle, leaving me alone in the house for 3 weeks. Since I had just started university at the time I was usually out of the house. So my parents suggested I set up our answering machine. My parents had an answering machine, but they never used it so it had been stored in the basements for a couple of years. This was one of those old style machines where everything was recorded to an actual audio tape, which you would record over after the tape filled. Before they left, I brought the answering machine up to my room and left it on the floor, unplugged, power cord still wrapped around it. I figured I'd set it up later that day, or possibly and more likely procrastinate for 3 weeks and set it up on the last day just to say I did it. I had never used it before, so I wasn't familiar at all with how it worked, but obviously I knew it was a relatively simple process. That night was the first night I was alone in the house as they had flown out that evening. I went to sleep with the machine still wrapped up in a pile next to my bed. In the middle of the night, I am woken up by a whirring sound. 
the sound of an audio tape rewinding and then stopping. I hear the same noise, two or three times. I turn over and look at the machine and see a green light turning on intermittently with the sound of the whirring. Then it stops. I am freaked the frick out so I don't get out of bed. I lie there awake, wondering if I was dreaming for a few minutes and then eventually fall asleep. The next morning I wake up and go about my business, unsure of whether the night's events were real or if I dreamed them. Then the phone rings. I pick it up, and it's my sister. Sister, hey, I tried calling you last night to let you know we landed, but I got the machine. Me, that's impossible. I didn't plug it in, and there's no battery powered option. The phone line wasn't even plugged into it. Sister, huh, but I called twice. Both times the answering machine picked up, and it was your voice saying to leave a message. Me, W, T, F. I was about 10, and I watched my mom's purse slide from the kitchen counter, hover midair for about 15 seconds, and slam to the ground. I can't say I remember running, as it doesn't seem like my feet touched the ground. When I found my mom outside, all I could manage was, Mom, your purse fell dead to then pick it up, please, with a shake of her head. Same apartment. To this day, as my mother still lives there, a ghost or whatever you want to call it, drops and rolls what sounds like marbles on the ceiling. Sometimes it sounds like bowling balls, and sometimes golf balls. They drop as if from a good height, and then bounce and roll as you would expect them to on hard linoleum floor covering solid concrete. After a quick search online just now, the likely culprit is actually water moving through pipes. Okay, I would totally jump all over any explanation, to be honest. Except I have yet to hear one that explained why the frick it would follow you around from room to room. Even while running down the hall to leave the apartment, I used to call the ghost Charlie after my imaginary friend from kindergarten. Then we found out that several others could hear this anomaly. We changed the name to Mason, as in masonry, due to the fact that he lived in the cement of the building. The building managers and HUD have gotten numerous complaints about this issue, just pointing out that my mother and I are not. Mum doesn't get scared of it anymore, as she is convinced this ghost is a child spirit wanting to play. She even talks to it now. My parents got my younger sister a spell and speak toy when she was young. She eventually outgrew it and it was relegated to the closet in the basement bedroom the bedroom I was occupying at the time. One night, it started going off, saying letter after letter in the monotone male computer voice. I figured the thing was just old and the batteries were shorting out. It didn't stop, so I got up to take the batteries out. I walked into the closet, grabbed it off the shelf, flipped it over, all the while it was saying letters. I opened the battery hatch, only to find that there were no batteries in it. I turned it over and the screen was blank and it went silent. I opted then to share an upstairs room with my kid brother rather than sleep down there ever again. I still don't go down there unless I have to. This happened when I lived with my mom. She still lives in the house, and other people have had strange things happen to them while I was living there and after I left. I will list them because there are a lot. I was once in one of those half awake half asleep modes and heard someone whisper loudly if there is such a thing. Kind of hard to explain. Into my ear. My name. I moved out over 4 years ago and was recently talking to my brother's girlfriend and she mentioned how she was laying in bed and had heard her name whispered and when she had mentioned it to my brother, he had heard his name on a different occasion. I asked her if she had ever had that happen to her before and she said she hadn't and I know I haven't. 
So that was kind of weird. I had moved out of my mom's house and into my own apartment. She was living there with my stepfather. He had to go into work very late at night. So she calls me and we talk for a while. Then I hang up and go to bed. She does some other stuff around the house and then decides to call my stepdad. She looks high and low for the cordless phone and can't find it anywhere. She does the beep paging thing for the handheld and still can't find it and she doesn't hear it. She has always been creeped out by the house and didn't want to be alone so she went to my aunt's house for a while. She came back home, walked into the kitchen, turned on the light and sure enough the phone was sitting on the kitchen table, where she had checked before and it hadn't been turned on. The screen was turned on like someone had just pressed the talk button. Another time she was home alone, late at night, watching TV. We have these shelf type things that line the steps going down into the basement where you can store a few things. We kept tools and paper towels and flashlights on them. For no reason at all the big, heavy toolbox goes crashing down the steps. The toolbox was resting flat on the shelf and no one was running around so it's not like vibration sent it tumbling down. On several occasions I have seen a dark shadow type thing floating around my bed. I normally just wrote it off to me being tired and my mind not focusing or whatever. But one night my boyfriend saw it too. We were lying in bed and I saw it on the ceiling. He says, do you see that too well that freaked me out and I moved out shortly after that. There have been other things that have happened in that house that we can't explain. But the only time I really am 100% sure I saw something that I could say was a ghost didn't happen at my house. It happened in Harper's Ferry, WV. In college I swapped leases with some friends because my roommates were moving out of the apartment and they were looking to get out of the big house they were living in and get out on their own. Anyways, I had partied at this house a few times in the past, and it was the oldest house in the neighborhood and it was actually an old farmhouse. My little backstory. When the group first moved in two years prior they were looking around in the attic and found a creepy picture of an old couple and were going to throw it away but decided it was best to just turn it around and hide it in the corner. Anyways, so my room was the only one with access to the attic. There was the closet, with attic access, a large room I used as living room, and then a smaller room I used as my bedroom. So one night after a night of mild drinking, I start to hear these voices. I don't remember the exact words but it was an elderly couple arguing. The man was very aggressive sounding and commenting on how he wanted to go after him. The woman was very calm and peaceful and was trying to calm the man down saying he isn't hurting us let him be he is fine. This was in a half sleep stupor. And when I rolled over I could barely make out the image of an elderly couple that had clothes similar to that of the painting stored in the attic. Anyways, that was the only time they ever bothered me. I work in a supposedly haunted building now and am one of few to have not experienced any of the paranormal activity. Comma I work in a supposedly haunted building now and am one of few to have not experienced any of the paranormal activity. The elderly couple have marked you as theirs. Beware. Serious, people who listen to emergency radio scanners, what is the creepiest pandemonious thing that you've heard over the airwaves? I was fascinated with scanners when I was in my early teens. One night, back when you could pick up any cell phone call within miles, as they were analog and unencrypted in the 900MHz band, I was scanning through the 900MHz band and my scanner stopped on an unused frequency. All I heard was and then I'll bring the rotwheeler in and let him frick you. How'd you like that? It was kinda shocking to my 13 year old self. I think I switched frequencies when I heard that. Now I wonder what else was said oh oh. 
when we had the Waldo Canyon fires here in Colorado. A buddy of mine sent me a link to a scanner broadcast keyed in on the firefighters. They entered a house that was about to go up in flames and found a woman dead in a bathtub, and then left because the house was about to go up. It was really straightforward. Like yep, ladies dead let's go. What a hellish situation to be that calm in. If I remember correctly, I thought it was only one elderly couple who died in that fire as they didn't want to leave their house or something like that. I evacuated with my mom while the fire was rolling down the hill toward our apartment about 600 feet behind and could see the flames clear as day. I worked at an for a while so the scanner was always on. One night the ambulance was responding to a call about a young man that was unresponsive and the mom was doing CPR. A couple of minutes later it came in that it was attempted suicide and then when they arrived they called for a coroner and could hear the family screaming and crying in the background. Right after that we get a call and it's our co-worker. Her son had hung himself with a belt in a closet and tried to resuscitate him and she was hysterical. Truly heartbreaking. Some years ago our fire chief was the first responder to a call that turned out to be his son having died choking himself for pleasure. I can't imagine you ever really recover from that. Heard a man saying, hey, hey shush, hey shush, quiet, quiet, you're not getting out, shush, shush, you're not leaving, you're mine, I live in rural Pennsylvania by a large patch of woods. He was hunting in the woods and was talking to himself while aiming. Grew up in a remote area where police were hours away so we all listened to scanners and would rush to help as a community until police got there. A neighbor called in a motorcycle accident up the street from our house at a bad curve where there had been lots of accidents over the years. My dad would often take us along to help. We rushed out knowing an ambulance is usually at least 45 minutes away. We pulled up to the motorcycle and a guy laying in the ditch. I knew something was different because dad told me to stay in the car. It was his best friend. He was dead. It was one of the few times in my life I saw dad cry. Not sure if I made it in time, but I am a radio officer in the Coast Guard. Kind of half 911 operator, half air traffic controller. I've heard lots of chilling calls. People drop dead on deck and try to get resuscitated. People whose vessels are going down and they know they won't be around long and give you messages to families etc. One of the worst, a fellow was on a fishing boat with his pal. It was really early in the morning, and he was cruising along. Well the guy must have been turned to the back of the boat while his buddy was in the back messing around with some gear. He didn't notice a sandbar, and hit it hard. His friend was thrown from the back into the wheelhouse and bashed his head. The guy called in while doing CPR, and his friend was clearly dead from the description, but he just kept going. Crap like that can keep you up at night. When you switch from bicycles and cars to anything else, the training wheels come off. You really have to be dang careful driving big trucks, boating in the open ocean, etc. At least I have enough experience to know when I don't have enough experience. I am glad USCG is out there. I have heard some nasty situations on channel 16 before with sinking vessels. I'm a cop, so listening to a police radio is something I obviously do all day, every day. Car crashes, house break-ins, assaults, those are all routine. The calls that send chills up my spine are actually the silent ones. When you hear a radio squelch, and maybe one or two words from another officer, a fight or gun and then silence, then there's just dead air, and everyone stops what they're doing while dispatch tries to figure out who it was, and where they are.
as a dispatcher and Leo spouse, those silent calls are the absolute worst. Our officer assist tones are haunting. My dad was a volunteer firefighter so we always had the scanner on. One night when I was about 10 the tornado sirens went off. We ran to the basement and once we were settled we turned on the scanner. That night I listened to police and firefighters, many of whom's voice I recognized, give a play-by-play -play of our town getting destroyed as if it was a goddamn football game. I listened to business names and street names trying to remember where my friends lived. My dad left to help, then we heard my street. The next morning the house two doors down was gone. I didn't sleep well for a long time after that. Sometimes ignorance really is bliss. Sometimes I wonder what the people who had home bunkers to be used in the case of a nuclear event would have experienced when they came out. No one really knew who had a bunker. Even today no one knows how many backyard bunkers there are. To think that they might have came out and have been the only survivor. S. In their neighborhood. Subdivision. Etc. When I was working for a federal government land management agency in Montana a few years back, something really creepy came over the repeater network. While we were working in a canyon that had very poor radio reception, we heard a very long, creepy, and drawn out moan come over the air. This was followed by a very weak, in both reception and tone, help, me, in a women's voice. All of us freaked the frick out. These weak cries for help kept repeating low guttural help me, on until dispatch finally stepped in and said this is a federal emergency network, unless you have an emergency, get off this channel, this was followed by another plea for help, then a gunshot and screaming, turns out two local crazies were out four wheeling, going straight up steep embankments, when the ATV flipped backwards, pinning the man under the ATV, both of them being high on some substance, they started freaking out, the man, being perfectly fine, except for being pinned by the leg and high, started to hallucinate that he was bleeding out, pulled out his handgun and shot himself to make it quicker, because they were four wheeling so far back in the sticks, a helicopter was needed to retrieve the body, must have been on some heavy crap to even contemplate shooting himself, god dang. I work for a newspaper, and we have a scanner in the newsroom, I used to work the overnight shift, alone. So I was responsible for keeping an ear out for stuff going on. Luckily, it's a pretty small town, so it's pretty quiet at night. One night, I heard a cop responding to a suspicious group of people in a park. Then, dead air, which wasn't entirely unusual. I heard the call in, moments later, from the officer coming in to back him up when she found him shot in the head, near death. I listened as the other officers searched desperately for the man who shot him. It was so scary hearing how desperate, helpless, and furious those officers sounded. That was several years ago now and I will never forget it. I always wanted to go into law enforcement as my grandfather was a chief of police. So I had a pro model scanner that I listened to as often as most listen to their favorite FM radio station. When I was 18, I worked the graveyard shift. Well after I was done with work. I came home turned on my scanner and went to sleep as I usually did. I woke around 11am and was listening to the dispatchers. All of a sudden they mentioned my home address. I was shocked and got out of bed excitedly to go tell everyone in my family that I just heard our address on the scanner. When I turned the corner in the hallway to go into the family room, the people from our fire department were coming in the door and my dad way laying on the sofa in full cardiac arrest. I will never forget that moment as long as I live. For your information, 
My dad did survive but was never the same. He had 7 full arrests that day and was in a coma for a month. He was 48 and died at 57. He was taking an average of 160 pills. Yes 160 pills. Per day to survive. I think he just got tired of taking all of the medication. My dad stopped taking his pills as well. It was hard to let him go but we had no right to keep him. He did what was right for him. I hope you have come to terms with it. Easy. There was a huge thunderstorm. Police mentioned a young black male brandishing a gun. Dressed in nothing but a towel. HQ said something like. To confirm. Armed young black male dressed in only a towel around his waist officer. Mom. I didn't say anything about it being on his waist. I'm a Leo in a rural area. So we get odd calls pretty often from elderly people that are starting to lose their grip on reality. One time around midnight I got dispatched to a call where an elderly woman saw children in her yard. She was worried about them and wanted them sent home. On the way there she's still on the phone with dispatch describing them and where they are in her yard. I get to her house. A lightly wooded area on a rural road about 100 yards off the road. No yard lights or anything. There aren't any children in the yard so I knock on her door. She invites me in and starts telling me about the kids. She points to a window that peers out into the darkness and says there was a little girl standing there staring at her. The little girl smiled, gave a wave and walked away from the window. The woman knew she was still there because she could still hear the little girl giggling. I went back to my car and left. We get calls like this all the time that you know the person is going crazy. Mental illness, old age, drugs etc. But they are so serious it almost makes you believe. My time to shine. My then girlfriend, now wife, worked the same city 911 system as paramedic. She worked days, I worked nights. She had finished her shift and went home. We lived together. I was working overnight. Around 3 in the morning, I heard dispatch send a unit to our address for a shooting. A lot of times these are unfounded but I was still freaking out. The unit was operating on a different band different radio bands for different parts of the city so my partner and I switched to that band to listen. We heard it was a confirmed death. From a gunshot wound. I was crying and driving up to my house. 20 minutes away. But then heard the report. 30 year old male. Gunshot wound to the chest. Coroner request. I page someone who tells me again that it is a male. Not female. That is dead. In my house. I call my girlfriend. She doesn't pick up. For some reason I log on to Facebook and see a picture she uploaded of her and her niece at her brother's house. I totally forgot she was babysitting that night. Still didn't answer who the heck was in our house. Turns out two men broke into our house and one shot the other. I was scared thinking what if my girlfriend had been home. But the neighbor saw the two men sitting in a car across the street for a few hours. Most likely waiting until she left. This was the worst thing to hear over the radio. And such a relief in the end. Turns out two men broke into our house and one shot the other. Alright Jimmy. You go upstairs. I'll go downstairs. Forget your partner is upstairs. Get spooked and shoot him. I've always wondered if this happens. Late to the thread. But the most heart wrenching thing for me is final tone outs. When I was with fire rescue. One of our firefighters from our station was killed. At the service, we had our radio, and they'd do a final tone out for your station along with his badge number. 14 years later and I still tear up thinking about it. Yeah, 
Final tones can be haunting, especially when you're standing at full salute for your rescue squad's newest volunteer at their funeral and you hear it echo over a dozen radios at once. I wouldn't say creepy, as much as funny, and yes it did cause a bit of pandemonium. I've stated in another us credits that I'm a model railroader. Well, I'm also a railfan, so it's not uncommon for me to be out with a camera and a scanner listening to the train dispatch radio calls. Mostly to get an idea of when a train is coming so I can photograph it. Couple years back, I was out one night when I happened to hear a rather amusing call between a dispatcher and the local fire department's radio dispatch. I'll try to recreate it best I can, but as with everything it's one of those you had to have been their stories. CSX Dispatch. City FD, this is dispatch for CSX. Could you roll a truck or two down our way? FD, what's the matter? CSX Dispatch, we have a fire. FD, nature of the fire? CSX Dispatch, diesel fuel fire. FD, locomotive a spill? CSX, locomotive. FD, okay, we'll roll two trucks. Just head down to the yard there? CSX, oh no, hang on. A few minutes pass. CSX. Okay. It'll be at the 3rd street crossing in about 4 minutes. You can meet it there. What happened was the second locomotive back on a train blew its engine and threw a rod through the crankcase. The heat caused the fuel to catch fire. And it torched the engine. While it was still moving. Most unique and interesting thing here so far. It's quite a long time since you've been able to monitor police radio in NZ. So this was quite a while ago. Probably 2001 or so. The dispatcher called a 10-1. Attention all units. For any unit that could respond urgently to a 1F. Assist fire ambulance. To provide urgent assistance for a panicking caller whose infant was choking. Ambulance were more than 10 minutes away. A unit. Area sergeant from memory. Was only a minute or two away and responded immediately. There were then a series of radio transmission from the officer on scene update dispatch as he performed CPR on the, by then, unconscious infant. Each transmission was accompanied by the sound of his hysterical screaming a crying mother in the background. After about 2-3 minutes and 4 or 5 transmissions the next one had the sound of a crying infant and the officer reported that the child had started breathing and was responsive. Ambulance arrived a few minutes later and the child was transported to hospital as status 3, which means moderate condition but not likely any threat to life, was a pretty intense thing to hear. Conversely the most amusing I recall was after a while where a number of officers had been doing area patrols around the area in search of someone reported to have been exposing themselves to vehicles one of the units on site radioed the Delta, dog, unit to see if he was at the scene yet, his replot, his replot. His replot, 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 his mid-90s, San Fernando Valley, CA, listening to a cheap Radio Shack scanner late one night when I hear this exchange between an LAPD unit and dispatch. Officer, just observed a motorcycle traveling eastbound on Devonshire passing Tampa, at a very high rate of speed. Dispatch. Do you have a vehicle description? Pause. Officer. It had a red light on the back of it. That was the end of it. We have. A, a man who assaulted his neighbor here because his TV was on and it's. A, Earth Day. Burst out laughing. My stepdad kept one constantly running in our garage. 
One night I heard my cousin's address go over the scanner about a noise complaint, and called him immediately. I knew he was having a party, so I figured that it was just getting loud. Some random person answers my call. House phone back in 2000. Get a freaking ambulance here and drops the receiver. I'm listening to shouts and scuffling over the phone and more codes coming over the scanner. A 10-1 is called in. I hear a gunshot on the phone and scanner simultaneously. Then, drop the weapon. Drop it. Two more gunshots. A group of guys who didn't like my cousins had rolled up 12 deep to the party and just started swinging on people in the yard. The first call to the cops was from a neighbor hearing the fight starting. Two more before the first shot I heard and three after. Eleven cops arrived and tried to stop the brawl. Two were injured. One seriously from some idiot who threw a chunk of concrete. The first shot I'd heard was from a girl who pulled a handgun. Shot at one of the thugs. And accidentally hit another girl in the stomach. Everyone survived but dang was that crazy to hear. That's just a grade A cluster fuck. The most troubling thing I hear is the police not responding to things. I live in a small town that doesn't have full time local cops. The 911 dispatcher comes on and reports some incident on some street. A few minutes pass. They make the same call out again. More time passes. Then somebody else comes on and reports that no officers are currently on duty. So then they call for the state police. And they'll respond as much as an hour later. And then there are some places where they won't go even if there is an officer on duty. They just don't respond and eventually pass that to the state cops. Where I live. You're just on your own when there are no local police officers on duty. I used to be a park ranger for a top 1% affluent town and we carried police radios. I thought the summer was going to bring wild and exciting communications. These two events were most notable. Domestic abuse incident between a daughter and her mother. One hit the other like once and there was a lot of yelling and temper tantrum behavior. Report of a white male walking down the street with a backpack and long hair. I crap you not. They sent police to question someone for walking down the street without a suit or polo shirt and having hair like Jon Snow. When I was about 14, I discovered the scanner that my mom had could pick up cordless phone calls. I'd spend hours eavesdropping on neighbors, even after my mom told me multiple times to stop. I got addicted to it, even though most of it was boring. I did hear a single mom down the street get talked into leave her young child home alone to go hook up with a guy across town. But the one that freaked me out was the neighbor across the street. Him and his girlfriend argued on the phone for a couple of hours one night. Toward the end of it, she broke up with him. He was crushed and was in tears. After much unsuccessful begging by him, she finally hung up. A couple of minutes later, he calls her back and says, I just want you to hear this. I then hear, both through the scanner and through my bedroom window, a shotgun go off. I was scared shitless. I had just witnessed a suicide. I wasn't sure what to do. Part of me wanted to go tell my mom what I had just heard but I also knew that I'd get in trouble. After what seemed like a lifetime, it was only about 20 minutes, a cop car showed up at the guy's house. They were in there for about a half hour before leaving. No ambulance or anything. I was so confused. A short while later, the girl calls the guy and starts to yell at him for being such an idiot. From what I could gather, he had just pointed the shotgun out his back door and pulled the trigger. That was the end of my eavesdropping. Ro, that's one seriously emotionally manipulative but, she was right to leave him. I'm in law enforcement, in Charleston. 
As stupid as the radio got recently after the AIM church shooting, the one that sticks out to me is from a little under a year ago. A deputy sheriff was shot while responding to a noise complaint. The shooter simply fired rounds through the door of his apartment when the deputies arrived. Joe, the deputy who was first hit, wound up dying from his wounds, while his trainee was dragging a veteran deputy away from the line of fire. Then the call came out that one of the medics had a heart attack and died. It was a mess on the radio, and a heck of a way for that trainee to be introduced to the reality of law enforcement. Joe was a good cop, and a great guy. Everyone in Charleston law enforcement, all the way up to feds, felt his loss. Dang. This one was sad. I live in Texas, about 100 miles inland. There was a huge hurricane heading for the coast, and even this far inland, we were told to be prepared. I remember my dad and I decided to go to HUD a few hours before the storm was supposed to hit, just to get a box of instant pudding mix, and the store was complete chaos. Well, all the warnings were pretty much pointless. We didn't get a drop of rain, but we did get a shitload of wind. My mom and I were downstairs listening to the scanner, my dad was in the kitchen making pudding, and my brother and sister were upstairs sleeping. The wind was causing power lines to go down, knocking out power to parts of the county. Every once in a while, we'd hear a routine police call, then we heard the call. An ambulance was requested at such and such address for a tree that had fallen on a young teen male. My mom got a concerned look on her face and grabbed the phone book. She flipped to her page and told me, that address is the last name's house, so and so last name was my brother's best friend, and he was the only boy his age living at the house. We continued listening to the scanner, and dispatch called back and said, you can go ahead and send the ambulance, but you also need to send the JP. My mom told me I needed to go upstairs and wake up my brother. I did, and I brought him downstairs. My mom had to explain to my brother that we had just heard his best friend died over the scanner. This probably isn't quite what OP is looking for but I'll post it anyway. During the riots protests in Baltimore City following the death of Freddie Gray while in police custody I started listening to the police scanner while at my office. I live and work in Baltimore and my office is not far from where the epicenter of protests and eventually violence broke out. A call came across the scanner. Officer, male number one wearing a suit has a semi-automatic pistol on his hip. Looking for him now. Captain or dispatch. Not sure. Question him and check is it. Find out what he's doing. Officer. He says he's Anderson Cooper security detail. He's got credentials and license to carry. Not really creepy, but a few years back, my friends and I decided to drive down to the local park to hang out by the lake that is there. I should probably mention that it was nighttime and the park closes at dusk. Problem was, during the winter, they put a log and some jersey barriers in front of the entrance to the parking lot where you gain access to the lake. To discourage people from doing donuts in the snow, my friend's car was small enough to squeak by, but my car had to remain on the other side. As we are sitting there, we decide to turn on a police scanner app for funsies. All of a sudden, we hear over the airwaves two unidentified cars parked at Hutchinson Park. We all exclaimed oh crap and proceeded to back out and split up between the two cars. Sure enough, there was someone parked about 30 feet from my car with one of those store-bought blue siren lights. We managed to escape before any real cops arrived. Thank goodness for scanner apps. I lived in a boring, semi-rural town growing up. My dad worked nights. On Friday nights, my stepmom would order pizza. 
before the pizza place stopped delivering to our address. Funny story. And we'd listen to the police scanner. There was barely anything else to do in this town. So the scanner was great entertainment. So one Friday, we're chowing down on some pizza and listening to the scanner and they keep reporting something like bear on the loose in our neighborhood. The dispatcher said something about it being a possible prank call. And the calls kept coming. After a while of this, the dogs start barking. And we hear a rustling and scratching sound on the back porch of our trailer. I turn on the porch light and look out the window. It was a freaking black bear. My stepmom calls the police. The dispatcher gave her attitude, thinking it was a prank call. I let the dogs in the front door and we got the shotgun and waited. Eventually the bear wandered off. It was funny because no one had ever seen a bear in our area. Most exciting thing that ever happened in our little town. TL. DR. Bear tried to break into our house. Dispatcher thought there was a rash of prank calls about a bear in our neighborhood. When I was about 10 I had a couple of walkie talkies. Now I didn't have any just cheap butt walkie talkies. I had my parents that they would use for hiking or camping so that if they ever got lost they could reach pretty far and you could hear other frequencies broadcast on these. Well one time I was scanning with one of them and a guy started picking up. I started talking to him and he told me he was Santa Claus and asked for my address 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 had you given him your address you would be on the back of a milk carton right now I used to work for a radio company there was a guy listening to the police scanner and there was an accident Two families including five children had been run over by an out of control Mustang. They were my kids, along with my ex-wife, and her friend with her kids. That must have been devastating. I'm so sorry for your loss. My daughter and her husband live the next town over on something like a cul-de-sac, let's say Elm Circle. Listening to the scanner, two young males rob a convenience store, unusual for our town. The officers on duty post up at the major intersections after the dispatcher gives the vehicle desk. Looking for the car, they rob another convenience store. The LT reminds them all to actively watch for the vehicle. Suddenly, you hear one key up with his motor winding up fast asking again for the plate number. Dispatcher calmly repeats. He calmly says he's in pursuit, gives his location direction, and you can hear he's got the engine pegged the frick out. Another officer says he's on his way to back him up and first officer calls out his pursuit, just like he's giving a set of directions to a tourist. No raised voice, no tension in the voice at all. Mentally, I note that they are headed toward the town where my daughter lives. I hear the first officer say that they're throwing bags out at, location, engine still screaming, dispatcher repeating everything the officer says very calmly. Then they turn off main road onto side road, and side road to small road. At this point I pick up the phone to call my kid because these armed robbers are in her neighborhood. Her husband wakes up all confused because it's the middle of the night. I scream get up. Wake up. The cops are chasing robbers into your neighborhood well, they're not here. So I'm going back to sleep. At that instant, officer says he's turning onto their Elm Street. One block long, dead end. I go up a shit omg they are on your street officer calmly but quickly says they're bailing. I'm on foot and dispatcher repeats. Then silence. Total silence for like 3 minutes. My heart stopped. Finally his backup starts saying he can't find him. Dispatcher calmly asks for location. No response. LT asks for location. 
No response. After forever. Officer says dispatch one in custody, one on foot loose. I could have died. Anyway that's the most gut-wrenching thing I ever heard on one. People in our services will get their asses chewed if they act wild on the radio. It's also a point of pride to be able to key up in the middle of a shitstorm and sound perfectly calm. We've had squad meetings where folks have gotten dispatched to burn a CD with stupid radio traffic so newbies can hear how they sound when they lose their crap. Radio discipline is a big deal in some places. If you are new to the channel, you can subscribe. I publish new videos every day. Until then, check another video. Bye for now.